first it was also unbelievable. Mike Dexter wanted to date me. I know why I started dating him. I just don't know why I did it for so long. Well, he is the most dope guy in school. Yeah, and school's over. This party tonight? Amanda suddenly being single? It's fate. Fate has opened me a window. Yo, I got to have sex tonight. It took me all day, but I narrowed it down to a list of 10 very lucky finals. You know what I'm saying? Do you think there'll be any girls there? Are you kidding me? People may even be having sex tonight. Get out of the way! I can outside! Kiss my Have you seen Amanda Beckett? Yeah, imagine saw her in there. I'm thinking about asking her out, boy. Oh, God, you're a hottie. I filled this with seven bottles of vodka last September. It's been in my freezer for... Alright, y'all, check it. It's hard to get busy. Who does he think he is, Brad Pitt? <laughs> and you're like, Glennon. But with bigger boobs. Totally bigger boobs. I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my legs! Columbia Pictures presents an event 18 years in the making. When you find out who your friends really are. I don't think she's prettier than Gwyneth. Not even. What your future really holds. I am going to have sex with someone at this party. Whoa. And how one night can change your life. I don't know about you, but I really believe that there's one person out there. And for me, it's got to be Amanda. right there. Why don't you take a look, okay? You're white. How's it gonna be when you're so I'm out there? Guys like us, we are a dime a dozen. When there's no one there to talk to There is fate, but it only takes you so far because once you're there, it's up to you to make it happen. Amanda? Can't hardly wait. Which team has the winning play? Huntington, Huntington, hey, hey, hey! Did anyone order a love burger? Well, well done. The cult classic teen movie named after a replacement song, but then prominently features Smash Mouth. Those bands are exactly alike. That's like I told you, Smash Mouth had their three-year window and then just went right out the window with everything else. Despite the Smash Mouth, still a great soundtrack. Well, sort of, because if you bought the soundtrack to this movie... It's a lot of rap and leaves off like 25 songs that are actually I think in the 25 movie. is a very, very generous number. There's a great music in this movie. Like 50. If you bought the soundtrack, it's not on there. You were screwed. But we may get to that and much more here on the Pool Scene Podcast. I'm Kevin. I'm very much a Preston Myers. I'm joined by my Denise Fleming, Jim. I am not a tampon, but yo, I'm a Kenny Fisher. What's up, yo? And very, very exciting for Jim and I. We are joined by our first Pool Scene Podcast lifeguard, Rob Leonard. 
Rob, how I are you? I am a sex machine. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to see my penis? <laughs> we are very glad you're joining us. You're out there fighting the good fight, spreading the word of the Pool Scene Podcast. That's From right. From day one, we truly appreciate it. And Rob and I went to school together. Rob's in town yep. for our 20 slash 21st high school reunion in COVID times. Yeah, well, I... Weird history, I went to two high schools. Oh, that's <laughs> right, you did. I went to Howland, so I went to my 10-year at LeBray, and I'm like, okay, 10 years from now, I'll go to the Howland one, and then pandemic and all that <laughs> fun stuff. Yeah, I just want to see, like, you know, how rough people look. <laughs> oh, you God, know, can you imagine? On. I So I wasn't invited to our 10-year, which was like, there's no reason. Like, I was well-known and everything, but our 10-year reunion was just such a poor example of, like, planning. It just... No one knew about it and it was a mess. But the only reason I would want to go to a reunion 10 year, 20 or whatever is because I want to see people get trashed. Like I want to see somebody just get like, I don't think we have enough people coming to this reunion and it's at a winery that is, they're going to get fucked up because it's too expensive. I mean, social media kind of ruined (laughs) the experience of reunions because you know what everybody's up to. Yeah, pretty much. That Northeast Ohio wine country, it's going to be all dessert wines. People are going to get drunk and have the worst hangover ever. (laughs) Oh, they're going to feel it tomorrow. Oh, yeah. So, should be fun. Yeah. Uh, So, I mentioned a replacement song and the character of Preston Myers. If you don't follow us on social media and don't know what we're covering, hopefully your spidey senses are tingling and you figured out we are covering Can't Hardly Wait. Can't Hardly Wait is a 1998 teen romantic comedy, but it's so much more than that. It's also a movie filled with before their famous future Hollywood stars. Oh my God. There's a ton. There's the main cast, but the cameos. Yeah. Cameos. Yeah. There's, and a bunch of them have like one line, like Selma Blair pops up. There's a, an actress. I can't remember her name right now off the top of my head. Who's in Argo and a bunch of other things. Oh, there's a ton. Yeah, there's all the friends, all of Mike Dexter's friends who all went on to be in. I keep Jason Siegel. I don't know why I slip and almost say Seth Rogen every time. It might as well have been Seth Rogen. I mean, would have made a difference. So it's also a movie I saw in the theater. And if I had to guess, I would say my need to be there opening night had more to do with Jennifer Love Hewitt than anything. You said, and I totally agree, that Jamie Presley, looking back on it now, was the more attractive female in this movie yeah not taking anything away from jlh but still yeah like okay Uh, (laughs) yeah jennifer love hewitt uh you know one of the most successful you know eskimo men ever to make it in hollywood (laughs) Uh, (laughs) no um yeah that's i would say for any 17 18 year old in 1998 she was the probably 100 the reason why he saw that movie oh yeah the poster girl definitely and we will get into some interesting facts about her specifically here when we get to characters this movie originally titled the party came about because after 20-something writing partners harry elfont and deborah kaplan worked together on a very brady sequel jimmy Familiar with the the Brady Bunch? I'm, yeah, the the nineties re with uh who was the uh, Mike Brady? Oh, Gary Cole. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So they wanted to branch out from there and make a movie that they could both write and direct and make for as little money as possible. Essentially, the idea that came to them was a John Hughes throwback or take that party scene from Say Anything and make it a whole movie. So then the process became basically find a house to rent, gather their friends, throw an actual party, and film it. Simple enough. I will elaborate more later, but this movie had to cut a substantial amount of scenes to receive a PG-13 rating instead of R. The biggest culprit just had to do with glorifying teenage alcohol consumption. I mean, this is 
what, 23 years ago? Yep. I filled this with seven bottles of vodka last September. It's been in my freezer for... So things have changed quite a bit. There was a character just named Crying Drunk Girl, played by Jennifer Elise Cox, who was also in the Brady movie. That's right. And she was in a ton of scenes, but removed completely. Her deal was that she had to be subtitled because she was too drunk to where she slurred her words and wasn't able to understand. Like you couldn't hear what she was saying. For example, in one scene, Amanda's going around. She's trying to find Preston. Yeah. And she asks Crying Drunk Girl and Crying Drunk Girl tells Amanda that she's got Preston's phone number. She's got his address. She can give her anything she needs to know about Preston. But all Amanda hears is snow stun shy shy number shushing. Like she and they, <laughs> they subtitle what it. What the fuck? So Crying Drunk Girl was prominent enough character that in the original cut, she got her own like, where are they now? That tells you how much this movie changed to where they removed entire characters. Jim, please give us budget box office for Can't Hardly Wait, along with number ones and what was happening at the time of release. Can't Hardly Wait came out June 12th, 1998 to a very minuscule $10 million budget, but it only made $25 million in the movie theater. So very modest. But shit, man, like I said, there were certain movies, Rob can attest to this, Yep. when we were like juniors and seniors in high school that just encompassed everything for us. American Pie, which we've covered, this, and the soundtracks too, which is literally the soundtracks of our high school lives. It was back in the day when soundtracks meant something. Exactly. There, yeah. I can't name a soundtrack that came out within the last five years that be like, man, this is going to be something in 20 years. I can't think of one. Can you? No. I mean, you're lucky to get one song attached to a movie that's released the attention span of people anymore is like a five second soundbite that's all it is here's some flashback stuff for you in 1998 gas prices were a buck 12 a gallon the top toy was the furby and sex in the city debuts on hbo what didn't debut on hbo but debuted in real life terry nichols is sentenced to life for his role in the oklahoma city bombings Huh. That was a very life-altering event for most of us because I think that was the first time as we progressed into our teenage years where we experienced our first domestic terrorism event. Mm-hmm. And now it seems to just be an everyday thing, which is fucking sad and it's embarrassing. But the one thing that isn't embarrassing, Australian Susie Maroney becomes the first person to swim from Mexico to Cuba across shark and jellyfish infested waters of the Yucatan Straits, 123 miles. Wow. 38 hours, 33 minutes in a cage. So she swam within a cage for 38 hours and 33 minutes from Mexico to Cuba across the Yucatan. Think about this. That's kind of cheating, isn't it? It's like you're not in a cage. You're escaping the fucking element. It doesn't matter that there's jellyfish and sharks if they ain't getting in. Why didn't they just leave her in like a tank? Exactly. At that rate. Like one of those, like endless pools. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Drop her off at a fucking SeaWorld and with Shamu, you'd get more action. That's right. Be a man. Now, Rob and I, as same with Kevin, big gamers, huge gamers. The Sega Channel, cable's first on-demand video game service, shuts down. I remember Darn. wanting that so bad, but what, the I think the local up? cable company, like TCI, like, oh, yeah. you remember them? I don't know if they had it. I don't like, think so either. I remember, yeah. oh, man, you get... It was in GamePro, like, they're like, yeah, hey, you get you get to do all this stuff. Video and, games on demand? This is crazy. Mom and Dad, stay off the fucking phone. I'm downloading <laughs> Sonic right now. I don't even think I even knew what a modem was. At that. No, no, I'm sure I did. Yeah, it's 17. 
Yeah, we would. Yeah. We just don't make well, sure I'm, you don't interrupt. Well, I'm thinking about when the Sega channel first. Oh, that would have been like 93. Oh, God. Yeah. 93, 94. That's yeah. when our internet came to yeah. being. I mean, that might have been around the same time I had my first computer, but it didn't go online. <laughs> my Packard Bell. Yeah. 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 Packard Bell from Rental Center. <laughs> Speaking of somebody who didn't own a Packard Bell, what up, George? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to the Sports Machine. Kevin, one big sports event happened, the NBA Finals. The Bulls beat the Jazz 87-86 in Game 6. You know, the famous Michael Jordan push-off of Byron Russell shot. I just remember Rodman and Malone stumbling down the court, pulling each other down. But a lot of people will say, oh, he pushed off. Yeah, he did. He's Michael Jordan. He gets a benefit of the doubt. They won their sixth in eight seasons, their second three-peat. And, of course, Michael Jordan wins the M. VP. Now, Kevin, a big thing happened in 1998. We've done our top VHS rentals, but in 1998, we have the dawn of the digital video disc format. Here are your blockbuster video DVD new releases top rentals for this time in 1998. Blockbuster video. Wow, what a difference. Robin Williams and Flubber. I know what you did last summer. Ooh. Jennifer Love Hewitt throw out right there. And of course, I went to the movie theaters to see this movie. Why? I don't know. Denzel Washington and Fallen. You saw that in a the theater? I went to Movies 8 to go see Fallen. Why? I don't remember that movie. It was Fallen. fucking horrible. I remember sitting there and go, why am I here? I have no idea why I'm here. So the number one movie in America at the time, did not expect this to be the number one movie. The Truman Show was your number one movie in America, Jim Carrey. But as I've said on this podcast, I prefer Ed TV. That's just me. Personal choice. I love Ed TV. Maybe we'll cover it down the road. And the number one song in America, this was number one for fucking, it seemed like all of 1998. Brandy, Monica, the boy is mine. So they're doing one of those big music festivals with mostly R&B and rap, but Brandy and Monica are both like headlining a night. Woodstock 2022? They've got to get them together and have them do Boys Mine, I would think. It's got to uh, happen. If you yeah. don't, there would be a fucking riot. I mean, come on. That was such a big song. That that was a juggernaut that could not be. But fun. that all depends on whether there's raw sewage backup and people <laughs> burning shit down. And, and fucking sure is the guy running the yeah. whole thing. Brandy, you know, with her new street cred, you know, she killed a guy. I'm in the dark here. Brandy killed a guy? I just remember it happened. I cannot tell you when it happened. On December 30th, 2006, while driving on the 405 freeway in L.A., Brandy struck a Toyota driven by 38-year-old who later died from her injuries in the Los Angeles Holy Cross Hospital. Reported that Brandy was driving her car at 65 miles per hour and did not notice the vehicles ahead of her that had slowed considerably. Her vehicle then collided with the rear of the victim's car, causing the Toyota to strike another vehicle before sliding sideways and impacting the center divider. A few years ago, I was driving around in LA and yeah. give her the benefit of the doubt, it is stop and go track. Oh yeah, it oh, is nightmare. The 101, the 405. So scary. I couldn't even imagine. But yeah, Kev, that's all that was going on in June of 1998. Perfect. Thanks, Jim. Let's get into the plot. Now, to preface, this movie is, the plot is a party. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to kind of tell you the character motivations within the party. It's graduation day for the seniors of Huntington Hillside High School. Kiss my ass! 
there's going to be a party at a rich girl's house. As as you do in high school, you go to the rich girl's house. Our hero is Preston Myers, a bit of an outsider, maybe better to say just a little invisible. Preston has had a massive crush on Amanda Beckett for four years. He wrote her a letter, but has never given it to her. Preston plans to proclaim his love for Amanda at the party. Amanda Beckett is single. And on the night of this party, a party I'll be attending, a party she'll be attending, it's all falling into place. It's like... It's like it's fate. And lucky for him, star quarterback Mike Dexter has dumped her and she's now single. Little does Preston know that every guy at the party has the same plan as him, including her cousin. That's right. Preston's BFF, Denise Fleming, tags along because Preston asks her to despite her objections. She is not a tampon, by the way. Right. Valedictorian genius kid William Lichter attends the party to get revenge on Mike Dexter for years of bullying. We also have Kenny, a wannabe thug who plans to lose his virginity at the party. Oh, he has a whole kit. He has a sex kit. What better time than now? Amanda Beckett worries that she's nothing more than Mike Dexter's girlfriend, which, yeah, I could see. I mean, she's been dating him since the day she arrived at Huntington. So for four years, she was just the girlfriend of the star quarterback. So she's a little worried that she has no, I don't know what word you want to use, but no appeal beyond that. Which is fucking crazy. That's bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) She finds the letter written by Preston that was never given to her and makes it her mission to find him. Like I told you, that letter became the Forrest Gump feather of this movie. It's the biggest MacGuffin. It's crazy. Denise and Kenny get locked in a bathroom and go down memory lane of being childhood friends. Then it's mission accomplished for Kenny because they have to sex Whoa. after an impromptu meeting with his idol trip mcneely all right a drunk mike tries to get amanda back publicly in front of the whole party she stands up for herself and that's like when she becomes like she is more than she's mike empowered ex-girlfriend. yeah ex-girlfriend everyone laughs at him so great job preston finds amanda starts to confess his love but not knowing he's the author of the letter she tears him a new one in front of everyone because Epic. She- She thinks he's just another assorted pervert like the ones who've been hitting on her all night. Mike apologizes to William for bullying him right before the cops show up to bust the party. Mike and William go to jail. Mike takes the blame. The next morning, most of our characters are out to breakfast. William thanks Mike, tries to sit with him, but in front of his friends... Mike resumes the bullying. William leaves. So awkward. Oracle. Go watch some (laughs) Star Trek. You're like, everybody watches Star Trek now. What a little thing for your computer. Preston isn't at breakfast because he has to take a train to Boston. Jesus Christ. For a Kurt Vonnegut workshop, conveniently the day after graduation. Yeah. Amanda, now with the knowledge of who Preston is, arrives at the railway station to ask about his letter. He sort of blows it because he tells her he's leaving. She tracked down where he lived and talked to his dad. Then shows up at the train station and he's like, he shakes her hand and says goodbye. Well, I got this train. (laughs) Gotta go. uh, This workshop. Slaughterhouse five. He's my hero. He chases her down. He kisses her, thankfully. We get some on-screen text revealing character fates. Preston got a later train and spent the day with Amanda. Seven hours later, he took a train. She wrote him a letter every day he was gone, and they're still together. Denise dumped Kenny at breakfast, but they had sex in the bathroom 10 minutes later. Mike went to college, got fat, lost his scholarship, and was working at a car wash until he got fired. William went to Harvard. He's a multimillionaire dating a supermodel. (laughs) What would it take to get fired from a car wash? Exactly. Seriously. They said incriminating Polaroids, but it's like... (laughs) Polaroids. What kind of cancel culture? Basically, what do the Polaroids don't even show anything? Like, they show him and, and William lying together. And the car wash, I guess in 1998 would maybe, I don't know. <sighs> so let's talk about characters. 
We have Ethan Embry as Preston Myers. He's never seen this movie. And why is that, Kevin? He didn't read the whole script. He just read the lines for his part. Ethan Embry, so if you go on Twitter, he's very interactive to replies and a lot of comments. So if you, you know, comment on Ethan Embry's stuff, he usually responds. He spent many years battling an opioid addiction, specifically heroin. At this time, everyone on set knew to leave him alone. He was in his trailer where he could be found smoking weed 24-7 while not filming. (laughs) People actually on set literally referred to him as skunk-scented chimney. Because, so in order to do the kissing scene, JLH, can, can we call her that? Yeah, let's do it. Jennifer Love Hewitt, JLH, she bought him a teddy bear and literally a whole basket full of breath mints. Oh, God. Because so she, gross. she didn't want to kiss the skunk scented chimney. Jennifer Love Hewitt, JLH, as Amanda Beckett, she didn't audition. See, that's the problem because Mike is the same guy now that he was then. You know, mooning the guy at the drive through window, giving the underclassmen wedgies. They asked her to do the movie. Would you have to? She said yes. Yeah. They liked her helmet-sized hair. They, uh, they, <laughs> okay. She had a big hit. I mean, Rob, let's be honest. Do you find Jennifer Love Hewitt's body kind of misproportioned a bit? She got a big-ass head. Am I right or am I wrong? Hey, it's it, not her head that's big. Is yeah, it the, the hair? hair? The hair. It, it, well, keep in mind, at that time, you, know, you remember Jenny McCarthy? She had yeah. the same kind of just like, that's you know, true. Hair, like the fembot look. Same with Jennifer Aniston. She had the Rachel. So, yeah. okay, I understand. So, JLH, she, again, they asked her to do the movie, and she said, yes, yeah, she didn't audition. Lucky for them. She had already filmed everything that made her blow up, but none of it had been released yet. So she had already filmed. I know what you did last summer. And Party of Five. So then they got her on like the cheap, cheap. Imagine having those two things in the can. So they got like this huge star for cheap money because it should have probably made this movie make more money, but it didn't. Lauren Ambrose as Denise Fleming. Incredible on Six Feet Under. Peter Facinelli. Well, like I always say. See him coming soon to the Eastwood Eastwood Mall. Mall. He was there all the the, time. He's been at the Eastwood Mall so much. I think he fucking worked at Jimkins or whatever that would Jimbery. Jimbery. Thank you, Jimkins. (laughs) Jimkins. Whatever. He works at Jimkins. Yeah. Seth Green is Kenny Fisher. This part was written by Breckenmeyer, who Breckenmeyer went on to marry the director, one of the directors of this movie. But he wrote this part for himself, but then he couldn't appear. In, he appeared in Love, like in the Love Burger band, but that was shot in like an hour. It's just crazy. Anybody order a Love Burger? Well done. But could you imagine him playing Kenny Fisher? Though? I can't. Like Breck and Meyer? I mean, he played uh, like the stoner slacker and clueless. It's true, but, so I'm like, I could, uh, I could see it. I don't know. Charlie Corsmo is William Lichter. An eye patch I wore for a month after Mike beamed me with a raisin in home ec. My parents took me to a 3D film festival. I saw no third dimension. Just days into filming, Elfont and Kaplan, the directors of this movie, they realized they made a huge mistake in the casting role of William. Adam Hand Bird, a then 15-year-old actor who was in a movie called Little Man Tate, he was initially given the role, but like within a week, they realized like this isn't working out at all. So they legit fired this 15-year-old kid who ah. like cried about it was very sad like we literally said this was the eric stoltz marty mcfly yes. moment but they figured it out after only one week and not six well then charlie Corsmo, who's great as william lichter he was literally attending mit at the time he was in hook he was in dick uh, tracy dick tracy he was a child actor who was also happened to be very smart went to mit and had told his agent like hey i think i want to 
start acting again. So then they got the script. Yeah, got him the script, and he replaced. How many girls do I make in. out with? A ton. I'm in. Yeah. Uh, who else do we? Robert Jane is Richie Coolboy. Jim, you want to tell us what happened to Robert Jane? Okay, Richie Coolboy is one of Kenny Fisher's. He's the one in the seven. Because I had to look up who the fuck is Richie Coolboy. He is one of his entourage. He is specifically the guy who calls him the F word in the Seven Eleven. Okay. Well, what's up, man? Literally the same year this movie came out, 1998, he became the number one blackjack player in the entire world. He was the number one blackjack player oh, wow. in the entire world. Like, what the hell? Talk about so random. Can't hardly wait can to count throw to down this. Yeah. He seems like, though, he he would literally, if they showed, because remember when the World Series of Poker blew up on ESPN? They showed oh, yeah. it every five fucking minutes. Posted by uh, Mr. Cotter. Yeah, exactly. And it would be like Chris Moneymaker. He'd be the featured bad boy, yeah. Richie. And I guarantee you, he'd probably call himself this name too, Richie Coolboy. Okay, we'll mention some of these other ones. Chris Owen is the klepto kid. You just see this. Uh, Sherman from American Pie. He's just in the background stealing stuff throughout For no this purpose. That's right. Jason Siegel as Matt, the watermelon guy. In the R version, he fucks the watermelon. <laughs> I want the R version of this movie. He uh, he also performs like cunnilingus on the watermelon. He made a vaginal trench in that slice of watermelon. Jamie Presley as <laughs> The Beth. look on Rob's face yeah. when I said vaginal trench in they watermelon. Sh- they should just cut him out of the movie because he's walking around with a watermelon yeah, the whole time. Right. You're like, okay. I know. All but right. the question is, though. He made that trench in a watermelon, which I can only assume he also fucked that slice of watermelon, and he proceeds to carry it around with him. He tries to give it to Amanda. It's a party he, full of drunk women. He's like, I got my watermelon date. You want some of my cum melon? Is uh, We're assuming he launched it into it. I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. He caught uh, Jamie Presley is Beth. Girlfriend number one. She doesn't even get a name. <laughs> Who else? Shannon Rowe. He's got a extensive filmography. He's jock number one. You're right, Dex, man. Beth, kiss my ass. Sean Patrick Thomas is Ben, jock number two in Save the Last Dance. Freddie Rodriguez is TJ, jock number three. Eric Don- Palladino. Yeah. Donald Faison, the drummer of Love Burger. Eric Balfour, Steve the Hippie Guy. He's in all kinds of stuff. Selma Blair. She's in tons of stuff. Sarah Rue, who you would not be able to recognize her now. I showed you a picture mm-hmm. of her. Wow. Uncredited appearances. Jenna Elfman as the angel stripper. Jerry O'Connell as Trip McNeely. All right. Melissa Joan Hart as Vicky, the yearbook girl. I thought she was way older. But I think it's just because she had the whole Clarissa explains it all. 24 in this movie. And Sabrina. Just like a few years older. Yeah. 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 Sabrina the Teenage Witch before this movie. Kevin, there's two big ones I would like to add. Nicole Bilderbeck, credited as Ready to Have Sex Girl. And Leslie Grossman, credited as Ready to Have Sex Girl's Friend. (laughs) You're not even ready to have sex girl. You're ready to have sex girl's friend. Girl's apostrophe friend. Yeah. We have uh, Brecken Meyer plays uh, the lead singer of Love Burger. Well done. Then I will say, so Seth Green, Donald Faison, Alexander Martin, who is the foreign exchange student in this movie. I am a a sex 
machine. Want to see my penis? Rob already did the whole bit. And Breck and Meyer, they were together in Josie and the Pussycats, which is directed by the same pair. And they are a band called DuJour. And like Love Burger, DuJour members like fight about everything. So pretty interesting that they reunited them. Forecast me members. Forecast, For forecast me albers. Okay. Forecast me. Forecast members appeared on the television series Six Feet Under. Lauren Ambrose. Freddie Rodriguez, Peter Facinelli, and Eric Balfour, probably the greatest finale in television history. Rob, Jim, which actor actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? Rob, go for it. Oh, MVP is um, definitely Kenny Fisher. I mean, Peter, they say here 92% of honeys at UCLA sexually active. 92% of women in Los Angeles at UCLA walking around going, class or sex? What shall I do? 92%. Yo. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's definitely he owns that part. It is a more ghetto version of Scotty Evil. Yes, basically. Yeah, because he would have been Scotty Evil by that time. He would because that was what ninety seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he would have been. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the the cameos I found to be somewhat better because they were just in. They're like, hey, I'm a cameo, and, and like, and they're out. It's really good. Otherwise, uh, oh god, the guy that played Preston, uh, what's his name again? Ethan Embry. He is the oldest man alive for that movie. <laughs> he he's like, he, hey, dresses, hey. he dresses like an older man that I'm, went to Goodwill and got the purple oh, tag fifty percent off. I'm eighteen. I'm going to go see Kurt Vonnegut tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to take the the train from L. A. to Boston. Now we have a bullet train. We've all gone to school with people who are very literary minded that are I guess wise beyond their years I don't think we've ever been to school with somebody that would throw away the possibility of being with your dream girl for four years oh, yeah. you've waited yes. to go I gotta go to this Kurt Vonnegut workshop. It's every- just a workshop it should be like a four or five day thing and then he's back. And here's the thing what he also doesn't confirm we don't know if Kurt Vonnegut's really, it's a Kurt Vonnegut workshop. Yeah. Some other they fucking person. about Kurt Vonnegut? Yeah. Well, he was still alive at that time. Uh, uh, yeah. Fun fact, Kurt Vonnegut, Indianapolis native. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, Rob's here with us all the way from Indianapolis. Drove all the way in from Indianapolis for the reunion. Yeah. So I, when I was, uh, I've told this story on the podcast before, when I was in LA, I got an opportunity to hang out with Seth Green a little bit. And I think he thought I was weird because like the first thing I said to him was like, Dude, Airborne's one of my favorite movies. And he was like, I don't hear that very often. But he's like legit, like four feet 11. He's so small. Oh, yeah. You ever see that picture of him with his wife? No. Oh, God. Is she, if you want to look it up, she is probably 50% taller than him. Yeah. She, he's so small. But he's honestly down to earth, like super cool guy. I oh, really yeah. liked him a lot. But I will say, there are so many characters in this movie and so much happening at all times. I mean, Ethan Embry gets in the most screen time, but with everybody who... She's gorgeous. With everyone who appears, it probably is Seth Green because he like truly leans into this character. And the funny thing is, the atmosphere around this movie is it was a party. So everybody was here together. A bunch of them were already friends. So they wanted to go out. They wanted to party. They wanted to hang. And everybody was like, Seth Green didn't really hang out with anybody. But it's funny because at the time in 1998, 1997, when this film, they were like, well, Seth didn't hang out with anybody. But if you needed an action figure made of someone, Seth would make it for you. You'd just send him a picture and he'd make you an action figure. They're like, so secretly we're all partying, doing drugs and fucking around. And Seth is building himself a future because that hobby turned into like robot chicken and like everything he's done as a production company. Go figure. Like five, six years later. Yeah. He's like owns his own production company. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, he really cashed in. I thought he was great in this movie. 
He's okay. so good as Kenny Fisher. My MVP, I'm, we're going secondary character, and I forgot how great he was. And Kevin will back me up on this because Kevin brought it up. Don't know his name <laughs> in the movie. He's the overexcited kid who totally, Preston, what's up, oh, man? Oh, he's great. And when he goes up to Amanda, he's like, Amanda, do you remember that time you danced with me at the soft <laughs> I never told you, but I had the hugest boner, and I oh thought maybe God. you don't know we could work things out. That kid is so fucking good, and well, you don't expect well, it. He embarrasses it's all about Preston. the memories, man. Yeah. He embarrasses Preston in front of Amanda, yeah. and then. Okay, now you remember the time on the field trip when we went to the meatpacking plant, and you like threw up all in your book bag? <laughs> that, that wasn't me. Bullcorn, remember? Because you try to leave the bag on the bus so no one would see it. But then Vice Principal Biller, he like took it around all the classes, see who it was, and I was like, wasn't that your bag? And you're like, no. And I was like, I'm thinking it is, dude, you know? Preston's like, you remember that time? When we were at a party, <laughs> and you kept coming up to me saying all these asinine things? No. I, I went into Keanu Reeves there. Whoa. It's funny. Cause it just happened, <laughs> fucker. All right, let's uh, let's move on. It's a perfect transition to move on to best scenes. Let's find out which scenes made a splash. Rob, you go first. What's your favorite or best scene in this movie? Oh man, uh, you know what? Again, going back to uh, Kenny Fisher, like when he is in his mind monologue. <sighs> All right, this is it. It is finally time for Kenny Fisher to become the man. Not done my laps, and all 10 finalists are present and accounted for. 10 lovely ladies, y'all. Each one at my disposal. 10 willing and able tour guides into the theme park of love. But who will it be? Which of you gorgeous 10 will be the lucky one? Hey, yo, Kareem, baby, what's up? Nine, which of you gorgeous nine will be the lucky one. He's like, oh, yeah, I got these 10 honeys. Oh, I'm going to, yeah. Which one of you are going to be the lucky one? (laughs) And I forget what he screams. uh, He screams something. Yo, Kareem, baby, what's up? Yeah, um, I'm driving in the car watching this movie (laughs) on the way here from Indianapolis. You know, I stopped, you know, in Columbus real quick to use the restroom. I put on the movie on a tablet. I'm like, okay, I can, I can do two things at once. <laughs> That's yeah. fine. And like, occasionally I'll look at the speedometer. I'm like, Oh, shit, I'm almost a hundred miles per hour here. I got to <laughs> slow down or I'll get to Hubbard before the end of the movie. Yeah. That monologue, it felt like it was different from everything else in the movie. It was, uh, it was Seth green and his element. And you could tell like that kind of comedy, he kind of does in everything else he does. I don't know if like he put a little razzle dazzle or something, it, in it, but so, it was funny. It's so funny it. because rather than just, okay, I want to get laid. That's my goal. And however it happens, sort of like American pie, Kenny, it's not just that he has a whole kit. He has a, a book yeah. bag full of fragrance, love, yeah, candle, condom, Kama Sutra book, the full book. Like, yeah. uh, I'm going to read this. Like <laughs> he God. wants to lose his virginity, but somehow also make it like, like he's very self-conscious because I guess he wants to be a good performer and lucky for Kenny. There's a girl who just broke up with her boyfriend. What's her name? What's her character name? Let's play the clip right now. And then I heard he slept with some sophomore that pig what are you gonna do beat him at his own game i am going to hook up with someone at this party and hope that jason finds out wait with who who cares uh the next guy who hits on me oh hell the next guy who talks to me i uh Yo, I must have died and gone to heaven because I see an angel sitting right in front of me. Are you crying? Oh, no, baby, please. 
You are far too fine to look so sad. Yeah, sure. Come on, don't be like that. It breaks my heart to see you this way. You tell Special K what he can do to make you feel better. Come to the pool house with me? Of course I will. Anything for you, baby. So she's like, the next guy who talks to me, and then he does the most embarrassing, like, you are far <laughs> too fine to be so sad. And then her friend's like, looking at her, and she's like, he'll do. He'll do. But... He can't just, he should have just went with her right then. To the pool house. To the pool house, and it would have went down. But instead, he's got to go and like. Go to the bathroom, read the comma. Condom in inventory, and yeah, read the Kama Sutra. Oh, well, he had a double bag because he doesn't know where she's been. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Jim, go ahead and give us your first. Okay, before I go into my first, I want to give a shout out to when William Lichtner walks into the kitchen. He has his drunk card. It's how many beers he can drink before <laughs> he starts getting drunk. He walks up to three guys surrounding a keg. Uh, excuse me? It's, is this the, uh, beer? What the hell does it look like, ass wipe? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Do you want one? Yes, of course. Oh, oh. It's terrible. Nobody drink the beer. The beer has gone bad. Tastes like beer to me. Yeah, me too. That's <laughs> oh, great. Or as I call them, you got the guy with the weird mesh shirt. Fake Corey Haim. Fake Corey Haim. Then you have generic Robert Downey Jr. and generic Frankie Valley without the four seasons. Yeah. I just want to give a shout out to those guys. My number one scene, and it's probably the, the cringiest, like, oh, no, she didn't. When Amanda lays into Preston. Yeah. Amanda? I love you. Um, I know that must sound really strange, but I've always, excuse me, I've always felt that there was this unspoken connection between us. And ever since the first time that I saw you when you were holding my favorite Pop-Tart. And the truth is, I'm leaving tomorrow. And if we could go someplace. Oh, you know what? That is enough. That is enough. God, I haven't even been single for like five minutes. And already, already, you think that I am just going to strip off my clothes and do you right here because I don't know. I don't know. You imagine that we shared some intimate moment that you have probably been drooling over for the past four years. God, you know, how sick and deluded are you? You know what? Why don't you just go off and get yourself a goddamn life, asshole? Even in the movie theater, I remember seeing this. I literally put my hands over my eyes and went, Jesus fucking Christ. So let, let me set this up for you a little bit. So, because I had it on, on my best scenes. Specifically, Amanda is trying to navigate through the party. But because Mike has broken up with Amanda and everybody she knows. She has the letter in her hand. And Amanda's the hot girl. She has the letter in her hand. But every guy is stopping to talk to her. So you have the, the stoner guy who's like, you're such a hot. Can I see you naked? And then you have the sock up boner guy. And then you've got, and she's already been hit on by her cousin. What are you doing? Oh, I care about you. Oh, you get off. Oh, 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 come on. It's okay, baby. That is disgusting. Oh, come on. You were practically begging me for it. I mean. That is not what I was saying. And you're my cousin. Through marriage. Whatever. You're sick. Shit. Oh, God, Amanda, you're not going to tell my parents about this, are you? So, cousin all, Ron. Cousin Ron. So, all of this leads to your scene where Preston is being genuine. Is being genuine. He yells, I love you. He sees Amanda exiting and yells, I love you. And she stops. And from it's funny because it's a like comedy of errors because Preston, from his perspective, is like, This is his moment. Yeah. And he's like, 
I'm leaving tomorrow. This is my only chance. So if we could go somewhere. And then she just cuts them right off. Yeah, because she, yep. from her perspective, everybody's just trying to like. Fuck her. Exactly. So from her perspective, it's okay. As soon as he says the magic words, go somewhere. She thinks he's trying to fuck her. In actuality, he's probably just trying to read her some Slaughterhouse Five. <laughs> I got this Kurt Vonnegut book in the car. I want to fucking read some lines to you. I want to talk to you about the lack of free will that we have. <laughs> Kevin, what's yours? What's your uh, first one? I've got some other ones. I'll, I'll just go ahead and say this scene in the train station. That's my letter. Thought it was my letter. Yeah, of course it's your letter. I mean, I just did you read it? Yeah. Um, let me just say that I I don't know what I put in that letter because I wrote it so many times that it was that. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, yeah. you're welcome. So you're leaving now? God, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just, um, really bad timing. Yeah. I've got this workshop, um, with Kurt Vonnegut in it. He's my hero. And I, wow. That's great. That's really great. Congratulations. So odd. So everybody next morning after the party goes to the diner and uh, hangover food. But Preston, the day after graduation, has to go to the we know nothing about Kurt Vonnegut the Kurt seminar workshop. workshop. And he's there in his weird like outfit. You know, it's sort of like a pea coat with green pants. It's summer. It's June in California. He's got his day after hairstyle. Yeah, Yeah. he does. So he's waiting in the train station for his train to take to Boston. Now, as Jim said before, Amanda actually finds out Preston's identity through the the girl that tries to get her to sign the yearbook. And she's like, usually people sign by their own picture, but Amanda's flipping through the yearbook to find Preston's picture, realize it's the guy that she told off. And then she's like, fuck, I fucked up. She goes to his house. She talks to his dad. We don't see that. That's off camera. She shows up at the train station and is literally like laying it on thick. She's like, listen, your letter. Wow. And I want to be with you. And Preston's like, yeah, I got to take this train. Who would do? Nobody in their right mind would ever do that. Me and you have talked. There's always that girl in high school. For me, it was in high school. For me in elementary school, it was Becky Crawford. She was the white whale. She was the girl that everybody salivated over. And for a week, she was my girlfriend until my rival, Jim Pakovich, told her that I called her a slut. I'm in fourth grade. I'm 10 years old. She came up to me. Actually, her friend, Melissa, who we know, as her consigliere said, Becky's breaking up with you because Jim said you called her a slut. And I remember in homeroom, we were watching a movie, leaning over to my buddy going, what's a slut? What's that yeah. mean? He was like, I just think that means you're, she's a bad girl. I remember going home crying that you I lost. You a bad bitch. You in fourth grade. Your friend's a slut. <laughs> I lost my Amanda Beckett. Yeah. It was crazy. Oh. So Amanda, I mean, to do the PG version of what I was saying when we were watching this, she basically said, well, I guess I'm not supposed to have sex today, so it's fine. Pretty much. And Preston's still like, breakfast of champions, sirens of Titan. He's like super excited <laughs> to go to this. Kurt Vonnegut. I think it'd be funny if it was an Ann Rand workshop. Cat's Cradle. <laughs> He's going to a Michael Crichton. <laughs> so she's like, yeah, I, I read your letter. It's great. I want to do you, but I guess I'm just going to leave. And he's just like, okay, that sounds good. He shakes her hand and they're doing the, the movie thing where she turns around. He's not looking. He turns around. She's not looking. She starts to walk towards the exit. 
He runs and like hurdles a guy. He hurdles a guy. I would hope there were multiple takes of this where he clipped the guy's shoulder and went ass over tea kettle. Yeah. Because it was so unnecessary to jump that. So then the skunk scented chimney got <laughs> caught up with her and was able to kiss her. And it's a good scene. But I, I will say, the thing that nails the scene for me is the use of the Yazoo song. It's, oh, it's such Only a great You song. by Yazoo. It feels modern. It doesn't feel like a 1982 song. I mean, it's a 16, 17 year old song at the point of usage. And it's great. That it's song, like song. Jim said, you know, he gets married. He'll probably put that on a wedding playlist. Oh, it's, a it's great it's dance. Great. Mm-hmm. All right, Rob, go ahead and give us your next one, please. Next what? Next favorite scene. Next, oh, fa- next favorite, favorite scene, best scene. Well, I was going to, you know what? That, that karaoke scene was a lot yeah. of fun. You know, especially when I was 17, 18. Yeah, it was When great. that came out, you're like, oh, wow. You know, he's pretty cool. Wild Bill Rock and You know, growing up, you know, up until junior, senior year, I was pretty much a nerdy kid. And like, I saw a lot of him in me. I was like, oh, that's what I got to do to be popular is to throw myself out there and karaoke drunk. Keep on. You only had like, what, one beer? Yeah. So one, one beer, that entire, and he gets more drunk throughout the night. So specifically we're talking about William Lichter. Yeah. Yeah. So he's the, the genius valedictorian, the smart kid, you know, he hangs out with the X-Files kids. He's the Lewis Skolnick. Yes. He gets to the party. He has one beer. He spits it out all over Jim's fake Corey Haim. It's gone bad. (laughs) The, uh, yeah, the beer's gone bad. Fake Robert Downey Jr. Who that nails it. Frankie Valley's stretch. That guy's more like a, he's like a deuce or domino from he's the a, wrong side of the track. He's a very doo-woppy. William goes from like the nerdy hanging out with the X-Files kids, valedictorian over the course of the last four years. To King Jingling. To like, yes, the king shit, king tough of the party because every girl at the party wants to be with William. Did those two girls just go in the makeout room with William Lichter? Yeah. You're so lucky. So specifically the scene you mentioned is the band Love Burger. They broke has, up. They broke up. They got off stage. So this guy gets on stage with his like ghetto blaster and turns on Paradise City by Guns N' Roses. Is that that oh. guy is that fucking guy at the party? Yeah. There's a little bit of cringe right there because he's like, oh, my math tutor played yes. this when I was a kid. You're like, that, yeah. that song is like eight or nine years old at this point. Yeah. It's not an old song. It's on the radio still today. You're exactly. like, oh, who's this? GNR? So then William gets on stage, pushes that guy aside and then performs the song and that's like where his popularity which is already rising has risen to like absolute superstar the one girl is saying that he has a huge dick yeah she the way she motions her hands it's like 18 inches (laughs) he's like a jonah falcon but he's like rob said he's had one beer yeah these women even the one girl says before she said she was jealous that they went into the makeout room did she go into the makeout room with william lichter people know this guy as the nerdy guy that you never want to associate with over the course of one beer, one evening, yes. he's become God because he's a karaoke sultan. Explain this to me how and why didn't I think of this? I think there's a lesson here that alcohol makes you a better person. Yeah. But you know, the amazing thing though about William Lichter, even though he would never admit it, he dreamed about this oh, moment yes. for four years. Yeah, it was finally, less of a revenge yeah, and story I, yeah, and, and more have, of a, I'm going to have my first beer. And, and I have then, a theory yes. that attending this party is what launched him into the where are we now? Because he's worth like $40 million. He started a tech company and he dates a supermodel. 
without this party, he never gets the confidence to actually branch out and do that. He's in the basement with his, let's be honest, him and his two friends in real life would be arrested because that's fucking assault. Yeah. They chloroformed a fucking guy. Their character names are X-Files 1 and (laughs) X-Files 2. But spelled P-H-I. So many characters in this movie, because I had X-Ray, you know, uh, for Amazon Prime, and so many characters, even people with lines, multiple lines, are just named after their personality. They don't have names. Yeah, it's like, okay, a bunch of people at a party. How do we describe this person? Watermelon guy. Yeah. Like girls whose party it is at. Like <laughs> it's like the poopery girl. Yeah. Yes. And those commercials. Yeah. Yes. All right. My next one. Trip McNeely. Fascinatingly, Mike Dexter's having this uh, crisis. Existential crisis. So the plan all along from Mike Dexter was that him and his best friends would dump their girlfriends and just have themselves a, a white bro summer. Solid it's, plan, bro. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to break up with Jennifer Love Hewitt. You're going to break up with Jamie, Jamie Presley. Yeah. Look at these and ugly fucking hags, so, man. Because so we can college women hang out all summer. Yeah, they were just going to have this this summer. So his friends basically go back on the whole plan because they're like, well, this, uh, look at what we got. Yeah, she, he's like, she's got mirrors and like we're normal gonna, people. Yeah, yes, exactly. They don't go along with what their friends tell them to do. So Mike Dexter's taking it kind of hard. And to make matters worse, he idolizes his predecessor, Trip McNeely. Trip McNeely. All right. Who is the former quarterback and legend at Huntington Hills. So Mike Dexter tries to hit on two other girls. And he's like, "Uh, so-and-so said that you thought I was the hottest senior in school. And they were like, yeah. And he told us you thought we were, was it skanks? Skanks. Yeah. So he's getting shut down left and right. He sits on the uh, rocking chair out back or the 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 rocking bench. Yeah. Yeah. And Trip McNeely shows up and sits down and gives us this. Trip McNeely. Trip McNeely. No way, man. Trip McNeely. Trip McNeely. Jeez, you were a sexual icon. You know girls at Huntington still talk about you? Really? Which ones? Must be racking up at college. College. I wish, bro. I can't even get digits as a freshman. (laughs) Shut up. Come on, you can tell me. Seriously, man. I thought college was going to be a 24-7 orgy. Hell, it's even why I broke up with Janine before I left. So what happened? College chicks are totally different, bro. So basically Tripp's like, yeah, you're making nothing but mistakes. Mike doesn't say this, but basically it's like... Soft voice Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, I can't get girls. I got warts on my feet. I'm a freshman, man. I'm like, uh, I'm heading nowhere fast. Yeah. So Mike, that's when the the point at which he's like, I got to get Amanda back. I got to reverse this whole situation but just jerry o'connell's trip mcneely uncredited great see this is what i wrote down about that scene it's the common trope of a high school movie where the guy previously being a legend that reality hits him hard in college goes back to high school parties to find where he once was king and the reality hits him that the king is dead yes it's always that trope there will always be that guy no matter how old you are that it's going to wear that fucking letterman's jacket from the year you graduated that are going to go to a high school party Rob, do you still have your, you have Letterman jacket, right? From Helen? No. Oh, you don't? No. Never See, I never had a Letterman jacket, but then again, I didn't go to fucking school that much. So there's no reason <laughs> for me to have a Letterman's jacket. I'm going to write a movie about this exact concept where it's like star quarterback thinks he's hot shit. All the star quarterback predecessors come back to school and they have to battle it out to be like king shit. But along the way, they find their inner emotional selves. 
You know, the one movie we covered that goes against that trope is Varsity Blues. Yeah. Lance and Johnny, both star quarterbacks, never fucking took it to that extreme. But Mox was the backup. My next one is Mike Dexter professing his drunken love for William. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Wait, no. You remember the time they had to make that really stupid speech? And I kind of sort of tripped you, and everybody started laughing at you in school. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. And it's a tender moment. You brought this up when we watched it. They're sitting next to a piano. William's drunk and Mike, almost sobbing, tells William, hey, remember that time where, you know, he fucked with them? He's like, I'm sorry. And it's so weird. The almost actual love that he has for this kid to the point where he takes the fall yeah. to the cops saying, because it's not your fault that... Mike Dexter beat you up and forced you to drink alcohol until you passed out. He, what? What? That's the statement we got from the Dexter kid. He made you drink, took your clothes off. And I forced him to drink. I did all this stuff to him to let him go, which what benefit does Mike Dexter have to save William from the cops unless Mike really, in fact, loved him i would assume I, I think or is it like guilt that he always had i think but it's a facade that he yes, can't show his yes. buddies My, to me that's exactly it to me mike feels pressure to be this bully because of his friends he can't be himself because exactly when he's alone with william he's great he's sensitive and apologetic when he bails him out of jail that's a great thing to do although i question whether he's facing charges you would hope yeah, why and, is he in the diner the next morning yeah, he should be the, like yes, in a holding cell somewhere being processed yeah so he but then in front of his friends he's still got to do the urkel and the star trek stuff i think it's all a front that he feels as though his friends won't want him so maybe mike dexter's the most insecure like character in this movie which all bullies kind of are i would have a feeling if they wanted to really get deep after that diner scene and they show the title cards what happened to who and what you know after his friends left mike's there and he goes up to william he's like hey man i i just can't let them know that we're friends you know and yeah. in a weird way if they show that scene you wouldn't want a title card saying Mike Dexter got fired from a car wash. He didn't go to school. He was a drop. You know what I mean? Yeah, it almost, I mean, looking back now, 20 plus years later, it makes me feel bad for Mike, even though he's a bully and a piece of shit. And, you know, the fact that they show that sensitive side, it's like he, he's failing at life and I want the turnaround. And the fact that they even said that Jennifer Love Hewitt, this was two years ago, wants to do a Can't Hardly Wait 2 and it would be a reunion. Would you hope that Mike Dexter and William are just like best buddies yes. now? They reconnected through like Facebook or something and now they just talk all the time. They're best friends. Yeah. He got him a job at his tech company, something. Washing cars. <laughs> he bought a car wash, and now he's yeah. the head of the car wash. Uh, any other scenes anyone want to mention? Rob, you got any other ones? Oh, man. At least with me, we kind of hit, like, the, the bases there with that. You know, there was a bit of filler in this movie. Yeah. It's only what, it's a, an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. It yeah, feels a, long. Yeah. It does. So the, it one, does. the one scene I do want to bring up, the weird Jenna Elfman angel yeah. diner oh, yeah. scene. I have oh, that. Yeah. I have the, what I call the Barry Manilow subplot. This is great. This is just, just great. This is officially the worst night of my entire life. Thank you very much. 
Try having 40 drunk men grabbing your ass, one groom to be throwing up all over you, and then have your car break down at 2 a.m., and then you can talk to me about having a bad night, okay? You're a stripper? I'm a dancer. An angel stripper. Oh, I'm the weirdo. You're the one calling Barry Manilow from a phone booth at 2 a.m. Yeah, so basically... Preston leaves the party after Amanda rejects him and he starts to feel as though he wasted four years chasing her and then it failed. So they're playing the song Mandy by Barry Manilow, like on loop on this station. And you know, there's this whole subplot of whether the song was written for a dog, which I'll talk about later and whether or not like he basically wants a sign. He's looking for a sign and he wants to know what this song really means. After he breaks the fourth wall and talks to the camera, what he's thinking. Well, so he, you have an opportunity to talk to Barry Manilow in the radio. So he finds a a payphone at a diner. You kids out, uh, you know, out there may not know what a payphone is, but he finds a payphone. He calls Barry Manilow. He gets on air and this angel stripper dancer dancer jenna elfman yes hangs up a performer at a party dressed as an angel and she hangs up the phone and he's like really pissed about it because her car broke down on you know i'm sure the tail end of what was probably a terrible night for i would love to have been touched by an angel wow how does Uh, she drive with those wings on yeah why doesn't she take him off to drive yeah and go in the phone booth. He's like, ah, goddamn wing. You'd think. So she calls. And while they're waiting, you know, he he tries to tell her, you don't just do that to people. And she tells him a story about how she was in love with Scott Bayo, which that doesn't age well. Not at all. How old is she? Even in 1998. She yeah. Like, we looked it up. She, 30, was, like, she was 27. She was 27 when it was filmed. But yeah, I don't know how old. Carmen Greg was on. She and, was 16 yeah. during the first season of Charles in Charge. So that was like, what, 1986? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. Well, 27, okay. So she tells him she doesn't think it's weird. And then he kind of regains his faith in believing that it is meant to be with Amanda. But it's such an odd fucking way to get to that point it is it's very roundabout and the scene is a little long yeah it's very long but we have to question whether or not she's an actual angel (laughs) now she's a dancer no she's a dancer (laughs) she said she's a dancer club 76 all right with that said that's still around oh yeah don't go on a monday (laughs) why what goes on on monday wow it's the strippers that never should be stripping ever work on mondays last time i went to a strip club was there on a monday wow Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's get out of the pool. This house had a very large, fancy pool, being a uh, a mansion that they were having at the rich girl's house. So let's uh, let's get out of that pool and do our pool check. Pool check. Hey, we're partying in here. We got all kinds of parties. No, I didn't botch that Airheads quote accidentally. For this pool check, we do have all kinds of parties because we are selecting best movie parties i can say that my picks live somewhere between within a party i'd want to attend so like a party i'd want to go to or just something ridiculous and crazy happens at that party like something just like epic that you'll never forget like wow remember that party when you know guys shit his pants fell off the roof or something (laughs) so with that said let's uh let's do best party scenes from movies who wants to start us off rob your lifeguard you're up first all right um i had one rule for myself rules and just one here cannot be a dance scene 
Okay. So right. that that you know that were, those were my parameters. First thing I have is the Animal House toga party. Yeah, yep. that's what I, it's on my list too. It's yep. great. The Delta yep. House. That I that kind of paved the way for all of these other ones we'll mention. I mean, without the uh, you know the Animal House party, I just, there's not a whole lot of movie house parties. Exactly. Especially college type R-rated movies that have to involve a college house party or college frat party. Nothing. That was the gold standard. John Belushi in that movie is the, without him, there's no Stifler. Without him, there's no, you name whatever party movie. It's, that was an amazing, amazing scene. Jim, why don't you go ahead and give us your number five? So my number five, I'm going with a movie from 1985. The party scene in Weird Science. Yep, I have it on my- I have that here. It is crazy. You have the weird bikers from an alien planet yeah, or something. Michael like- Berryman. Exactly. Michael Berryman looking like Michael Berryman does Michael Berryman. Then you also have Bill Paxton, rest in peace. Chet, Chet. which is. He gets turned into that. A frog. Like blob a shit thing. monster. Yeah, yeah like a yeah. shit. <laughs> he gets turned into a yeah. shit monster. But of course, it's the trope. Parents gone, party, craziness. But oh, but this one has like. And Lisa. Yeah, but the cool thing about. LeBrock. The cool oh thing about. God. The weird science scene is that it has this like supernatural element because Which they can odd. create things on the computer yeah so there's stuff like launching out of the chimney and the bike like the bikers but it's one of those things where gary and wyatt are now all of a sudden the most popular kids ever just like william they never were before i got stuck on a malfunctioning elevator with michael berryman did you? Oh, that's right. You did yeah. it. Dark Christmas? No, this was a cinema wasteland. Yeah, one of the wastelands or something. But it was like we were in the elevator and I was like, oh, this is going to be. Yeah, you, hi, Michael. He's, Berryman. A, he's a talker. He really? Was, yeah. Yeah. He tells some some stories. Uh, my number five, Project X. So the whole movie is a, a party. It's found footage based on a true story where this kid back in the MySpace days, like put out an invitation to a party and he thought like a handful of his oh, friends would come. Jesus Christ. I thought you were talking about the Matthew Not, Broderick no, monkey movie. No, no, no monkey <laughs> monkey party. So this was uh, so a kid puts out an invite on MySpace and like over 500 people end up coming to the point where the party just like gets out of control, like shit burns down, cops come like that point of no return. If you've ever hosted a party where it's just like, OK, too many people are here. And I remember having this like big party at my house and this girl I was talking to at the time was like, hey, where do I park? And I was like, just park right in front of the house. And she was like, no, there's no parking. And I walk outside. I live on a lived on a dead end at the time, and there were cars like blocking every driveway in the neighbors' yards. And I was like, I remember walking outside, just like, oh well, like <laughs> whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. Yeah. But that's basically what the Project X party is. So the way the movie was filmed is they built a set like a neighborhood had they handed out like cell phones to all of the people, the extras. And we're like, here you go. Here's beer and, and drinks. And they handed out cell phones. So a lot of the footage from the movie is like shot from the cell phones they gave out. But there's a controversial scene in the movie where there was a, I guess, like a horrendous bathroom situation. So you've got like 200 extras partying and there were like, there was like one or two bathrooms. So you, there's a scene where this girl pees in the road. They get it and it's in the movie. And apparently she told them, don't film me. Don't, don't record this. And, it, and it was legit. She was saying, like, don't record yeah, me peeing. taking a leak. Well, then they end up paying her something like $2,000 to allow that scene to stay in the movie. Uh, just 2000 You think you'd get more? Well, in this day and age, you could probably get $2 million So now. it's just, um, it was a different approach to a party movie, and I appreciate it for that. Okay, Rob, what do you got up next? Oh, okay. I got to let me remember. Oh, how about this? It's more 
recent movie, the office party scene in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Oh, nice. The marching band comes in. The strippers come in. Yep. I fucking love it. That movie is so over the top, yuppie. Yes. Fucking DiCaprio just plays a There's a great That no. movie, it just keeps escalating up. The yeah, entire, and that is like right there. You're, he's at his top asshole, just coked out of his mind. The best. Yeah. There, there's a couple of these movies where it's like you could pick any party you wanted to. You could cherry pick from these movies because there's, the, yeah, there's that party where scene in that movie where Jonah Hill does like all the lewds and like hits on the, <laughs> is it the housekeeper or one of the girls and so like pulls his dick out. It's crazy. Are quaaludes a thing anymore? No. You don't really ever hear kids go, man, I need some lewds. I, that used to be the thing in the 80s yeah, with quaaludes. Were, yeah, I, I can only think of like two movies that talk about quite Like yeah. there's a Cheech and Chong movie. Yeah. yeah. And then Scarface. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. Like, that's it. Quaalude yeah. did not become the designer but of fun. But in Wall Street, they give you a big quaalude education. They, they tell do. you all about the release times and lemons, different brands of quaaludes. So my next one do not have quaaludes in it. I apologize, but it does have dancing. It is the dance scene or the first initial dance party scene in Dirty Dancing where baby says the weird, I carried a watermelon. Yeah. She gets introduced to this culture, this yes dance this dirty sexy dancing culture and she starts getting captivated and that's where she meets what's i can never remember patrick swayze's partner's name i don't know why there seems to be animosity but she sees how they're dancing and all of a sudden one by one she just starts learning how to dance baby comes out of her shell and she's not a baby anymore she's becoming a woman so that's a great scene start calling her she's like 15 (laughs) i know and patrick swayze's like clearly in his mid to late 20s like the characters that every we we covered Dirty Dancing. Yeah. It's so crazy. She's Joel Gray's daughter from Cabaret and a number of other Broadway productions. Yep. And then her and Patrick Swayze, well, Patrick Swayze fucking hated her. Couldn't stand her from Red Dawn. Couldn't stand her. And they still end up with that chemistry. And she ended up like the wind. I felt, <laughs> wow. I felt like it was necessary to include a Christmas party on my list. So I went with the night before. So speaking of Seth Rogen, who Jim confuses with uh, Jason, <laughs> Jason Siegel, Siegel, which I So horrible. the night before, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has for his entire life chased finding this legendary nutcracker ball whole movie you know his parents died and his friends are there for him so they started this tradition of going out on christmas eve or christmas day whatever it is every year but finally he gets the tickets to the nutcracker ball and it lives up to every expectation he had and like miley cyrus is there and he sings with her and it's it's just this crazy over-the-top party held by mr green all right tom green no, not Tom Green. <laughs> the Bum Bum song debuted <laughs> during that movie. This is the Christmas ball, not the ball <laughs> Christmas. You know what? Uh, this is kind of a uh, curveball here. It's a wild card. Clue, the whole damn movie. Oh, oh yes. Because wow. it takes place at a party. It's a dinner party. That's but, fantastic. And, God, that's good. Yeah, because a whole different type of party. Clue's a, a great, great movie. That's something we're going to have to cover. Yes. Because that movie has three different endings. And when they released that movie yep. theatrically, depending on where they sent it, each movie had that different ending. For some ending. reason, when I was young, I didn't really care for Clue that much. But I really liked the Saved by the Bell murder mystery episode. I remember that episode <laughs> was, fondly. I'm like, oh, fuck this clue stuff i got zach morris solving the fucking crime <laughs> professor morris in a conservatory with the candlestick so my my third one was the delta house one number three for me beer fest so i'm not counting the beer fest itself but more so the scene where these like five grown ass men they've been in the garage training you know getting better getting higher tolerances so they can go to beer fest so they're like we got to test our metal 
They go to like a high school party, like a high school keg party to play drinking games. And it's just fucking wacky. It's just the five grown men playing against high school kids and drinking games. I couldn't imagine what a high school party is like nowadays. Do you think they still do that they shit exist? anymore? Uh, do, I, yeah, do they? I don't think I, they do. I probably not. Like God. you watch like what teenagers watch now. It's there's like, no way. Well, like CW. This all ties <laughs> back. Yeah. This all ties back to the, like on one of our recent episodes, we talked about like Woodstock 99 and just what culture was at that time. Like it's break stuff. J- jackass and like girls gone wild commercials and just this is misogynistic you know media and everything angry white guy. angry white guys and like what those those parties had so much aggression and stuff and thankfully now kids seem to be a little bit more like mellow mellow and chill so coachella parties now what are they who knows anymore i don't know actually you know since you bring that up you know a lot less toxic masculinity now good so you know the Thank parties God. actually might be kind of fun i don't know about the music yeah, <laughs> yeah i don't know what music. these kids are listening to now but uh well popular probably- music is just such an amalgamation of every genre like in one and none it's, of it's, 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 it's dog pro- shit yeah they're probably just shirt sleepovers now, like all of them. <laughs> Rob, what's your next Stephen one? Stephen Curtis Chapman, oh. what's that guy? <laughs> what? He's there. Number two. Yeah, number two. Number two, you know what? Uh, this one, it's not so much a party, but yeah, it's kind of a party. The Shining, the Overlook. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Hotel. Oh, oh. 1929. Yep. Party. It just New looks Year's like a Eve. lot of fun. It's, uh, you know, everybody's kind of just being weird. But, you know, I, I read the book before I saw the movie. And the book... The party's really going nuts, but in the movie, you know, subdued. Yeah, it's very subdued, but it looked fun. It's uh, it's I love that Rob did his homework and just like went different. Oh, that's why he's fucked the first lifeguard of this podcast. Now, have you ever seen the uh, the Shining remake with the guy from Wings? Oh no, no, no. Well, that one was directed by Stephen King, but if there's anything I know about Stephen King, is he can't direct. Yeah, so I'm not gonna watch it. What guy Apparently from Wings? Is it Stephen Weber? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the guy from um, Dracula said, Dead and Loving It. Okay, I almost said Tom yeah. at Tom Church. And no Wings, <laughs> Jack and Tom Floyd. But um, no, I didn't see. I heard it's closer to the book, but the book is not a PG or PG-13 yeah. thing, and so it's gonna be the stand. The original stand was kind of bleh. yeah. So. Yeah, no. Yeah, we've talked about different iterations of the stand before. I, yeah. I fondly, when it comes to the stand, it's the ABC miniseries version of the stand with Chad Lowe, the long lost brother of Rob Lowe, which is very weird. My number two is one of the things I hold close to my heart when it comes to movie parties. It's the party at Stifler's mom's house yeah. on oh. Lake Michigan. Yeah. That is where the paramount, the whole, the apogee, if you will, astronaut reference to where Jim gets laid. Finch fucks Stifler's mom. Stifler comes in on Finch fucking his mom. It's just everything at that point where Jim's like, I'm never going to get laid. You find out Michelle's a fucking freak. It's the best high school party you can imagine at the best place you can have it at overlooking a massive lake. However, you got Oz, a.k.a. Chris Klein, who we covered in... Yeah. Rollerball, which, wow. what we a covered sh- American Pie also. Covered American Pie. He's in the uh, 100 Meter Club as well. The thing, it's the most romantic lovemaking sex scene in that Bic movie. We get the Sway song. Yeah. During that scene, I love it. Chris Klein, as I call him, generic 
Keanu Reeves. Whoa, he's that guy. Number two for me, Grandma's Boy. Oh, so yeah. they go, they go to that vegan restaurant with David Spade and named Shiloh, and they end up leaving the vegan restaurant to go to call it Tommy Burger or something. And basically, Jonah Hill has to shit. So they're like, don't, hey, don't you live around here? And he's like, yeah. So Shy they, blow. They go to his house to find out his grandma has gotten into Lily, their deceased roommate's tea, which they think is tea and is actually marijuana. So they smoke it and these grandmas are having a good time. Next thing you know, they call their friend Dante. All the freaks come out at night and they have this like crazy party. There's like video games, karaoke. There's Dr. Shockaloo and uh, grandma's feeding bikers like Captain Crunch or something. It's pretty crazy. All right. Rob Leonard, your number one. Okay. Okay. This one is again, it's another out there one and it's uh. I, but I like it. Party slash musical sing-along scene at the end of Gremlins 2 at Clamp oh, yeah. HQ. <laughs> yes. That's a great party. Oh, so God. much crazy Warner Brothers, you know, licensed crap going on all at once. Yeah, that was that was like an amalgamation of Joe Dante, who was like born not wanting to do it. Yeah, not wanting to do the movie, <laughs> yeah. born to make, you know, wanted to do Looney Tunes and basically made a parody of the first movie. And you've got, you know, the setting is they're trying to block out the sun so they can catch the gremlins. They're having this crazy. They're singing New York, New York. Yeah. And, and then the uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Rhapsody in Blue or the Continental yeah. Airlines theme yeah. back in the 80s. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, I watched it again on YouTube a few days ago and I was like, you know what? This movie isn't that bad. <laughs> it's it's tongue in cheek. It's over the top. Yeah. It's not a so dark movie at all. It's- my my youngest daughter, who's four, she I showed her Gizmo the other day, and now she's like she watches Gremlins videos on YouTube and stuff, and she seems a little scared of like the the scary Gremlins stripe and and such. But she like loves in the second one like Daffy. And yeah, start with the second other movie. crazy ones. So she's into it. There was some cool gremlins in that one, too. Like yeah. the lightning one. Yep. Lightning gremlins. Great. That spider one. Yeah. That was a crazy fucking movie. I'm glad we covered that, though. What was that for our season? That was a two? Halloween special. That was our Halloween yeah. special. That's right. Yeah. My numero uno. Number one. I mentioned this was my first R-rated movie I ever saw as a kid. It's Tom Hanks in Bachelor Party. It's yeah. O'Neill's Bachelor Party. Now, O'Neill, as I've said previously on this podcast, is probably one of my favorite movie characters of all time. The great underrated actor known as Adrian Zmed. Yeah. And this movie, the whole fucking soundtrack should have been, it was virtually Oingo Boingo. Oingo Boingo performs in the bachelor party at the hotel where a horse snorts cocaine and quaaludes. <laughs> yep. Horse dies in it. Fucking O'Neill just going crazy. Come on, Tom, Jim, give it to us. Gentlemen, start your boners. Yep. <laughs> which is one of the best fucking opening party lines. Am I a bachelor he, party? I don't know how many times you said that. I did it a lot. A I, but how many times did I say I'm O'Neill for this bachelor party? Yeah. But quite frankly. So they the, ripped your jacket off. Fucking still pissed me off to that day because that jacket made me look amazing. But the funny thing about O'Neill delivering that line is when he opens up the door, there's fucking nobody in that hotel. Yeah. Start yeah. your boners to nobody. But we also get the very hot chick. I can't remember her name off the top of my head where... Rick has that fantasy where sits in a room and he almost has sex with that girl, but he's like, no, 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 I'm getting married to Tawny Katane, who unfortunately passed away a couple months ago. Rest in peace, Tawny Katane. But long live O'Neal and the bachelor party. All right, my number one. It all could have been number number one. (laughs) Wow. Number one. I don't want David McCall at my party. (laughs) It may kill everyone. My number one. 
tonight at the pit, everyone, everyone gets laid. laid. George Clinton plays at the pit. Uh, who is that, Kevin? George Clinton. That's it. In the Parliament Funkadelic. Yeah, it's just it's an all-time rager to save the pit. And we covered PC. We covered that movie. It's just a fantastic scene, party scene. So let's get into some honorable mentions. Now, the one I thought would be on all our lists that I think we probably steered clear of, Party at the Moon Tower. Yeah. Dazed and Confused. I avoided that in super bad. Yeah, I super both. bad. Mm, the, yeah. the, the beer or the alcohol and the laundry detergent. They drank laundry detergent uh, laced booze. And then he's like, why do you, what are you doing with that? And he's like, I got blood on my leg. The period blood on her yeah. leg. Plus everybody had blue lips because you drank booze with fucking laundry detergent. Yeah. So another movie where you can pick any party old school. Oh yeah. The KY yeah. wrestling, the, you know, the Frank to tank when he going to do one, the first, all the parties, the Snoop Dogg, yeah. Snoop Dogg shows up at the one party. I also had the revenge of the nerds alpha beta party where they decide to blow fireballs inside of the alpha betas house. Yes. Real genius. The pool in the auditorium. One night love affair, oh, yeah. Brian Adams. Yeah. And then uh teen wolf with boof in the closet. That's right. Boof. Yeah, and then the last honorable mention I have, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. <laughs> oh, oh that is an honorable mention for yeah. me. Back-to-back yeah. back yeah. reference weeks of Sue Don't Ellen Tell Mom. Yeah. having the uh trying to balance the, uh, have the work event at her house. The kid with the maitre d' who's unfortunately dead now. I wasn't aware. Yeah. Other honorable mentions from you too? I got a few. Okay, okay. You brought up Oingo Boingo. What movie was that again? That, that was, was Bachelor Party. Bachelor Party. They also played the back party to in Back to School. That's yeah. right, yes. they did. I yeah. am a... Oingo Boingo super fan. Yep. Fucking love Oingo Boingo. Yeah. What else do I have Why here? do good girls like bad boys? Oh, I fucking love it. <laughs> did I play Dead Man's Party in Back to School? Yes, yes they did. Yes. Yes. That would be my favorite Oingo Boingo song. song. That's when uh, he gets, Rodney Dangerfield gets in the hot tub and yeah, the there's girl a hot walks tub in, in his apartment. You know what? I'll yeah. go to our Actually, reunion tonight if fucking Oingo Boingo's there. Full oh. circle. He gets Kurt Vonnegut to write his paper in that movie. B. Holy shit. Gets a B. Yep. Yeah, he gets a B because the professor is like. Almost every podcast we do, we somehow can make a full circle to something <laughs> yeah. else. I fucking love it. And this is because I watched this movie about a week ago. And I forgot how cool the opening scene of this movie was. The blood rave at the beginning of Blade. Oh my yeah. God, I haven't seen Blade in a long Blade, time. Blade, he shows fantastic. up and he just kills everybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of a, yeah. a rave type thing, we would be remiss if we did not mention Tim Capello in oh, The Lost Boys. Yes, I thought uh, you were going David McCall in fear when the cops come and they go to the roof. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. They go up the fire escape. The only other thing I have here is the dance, which is okay. It's, it's, it's a musical. It's got a yeah, dance number, but it is a party. The party at Frankenfurter's mansion in yep, Rocky, Rocky Horror Picture, Picture Show. That's yeah. right. Uh, Jim, I'm surprised you didn't have Race Wars from Fast and Furious. That uh, Still to this day. Race War. Why the fuck <laughs> would you ever call it Race I, Wars? There's a whole team of writers, I'm sure, who are like Race Wars. And they're like, can't we maybe something else? Race Wars, that's it. Move on. It's Fast a, Wars. Uh, Whitest kids you know sketch. Yeah. Like, yeah. God. What do you want to do? Race War. All right, any, Jim? No, we're good. All right, let's get back in that uh, million-dollar mansion pool. Everybody back in the pool! All right, so I'm going to put you guys on the spot for our critical question this week. We're going to do it live. 
Fuck it. We're going to do it live. There are four taglines for this movie. I'm going to list them. I want us each to pick our favorite. So that's the first part. And then with a lot of movies we've covered, these taglines are dreadful. They're terrible. About 99% of the movies we've covered had shit taglines. So this isn't an exception. These are terrible. They're all real. The ones They're all real. Okay. Yep. So on the fly, after I read these and we pick our favorite, on the fly, I want us to writer's room a new tagline for this movie. So, all right. The first one. For the class of 1998, the last night of high school is the first night of the rest of their lives. Okay. Very generic. Lazy, doesn't uh, really have anything to do with the movie. That's pretty much the theme. Everybody's an archetype. Yeah. They're like, yeah. tonight is the night. An yeah. event, 18 years in the making. What is wrong with everybody? These are memories frozen in time, people! Another general thing. Ugh. Like, no shit. Okay. This is, I will say right here, this is my favorite. Yesterday's history, tomorrow's the future. Tonight's the party. Atlas shrugged. Yeah. <laughs> Did they just like steal these from like some dipshit's yearbook or something? Probably. Like <laughs> In the history of partying, Huntington Hills High School is about to become legendary. Oh, Huntington Hillside, kiss my ass! Thing is, though, really? that their high school isn't no becoming the party, legendary. The party's not great. Nothing memorable happens at the party other no. than maybe like, hey, remember when William sang Paradise City? Yeah. But like nothing happened. So I will say yesterday's history, tomorrow's the future, tonight's the party. The problem with these taglines is they focus too much on the party. Like I said, the original title of this movie was The Party, but the party isn't like to me, the whole thing is Preston and Amanda. Mm -hmm. That's the yeah. movie, not the party. Here's I got a tagline. I'm going to throw it out there. Okay. Let's off the top it. of my head. Preston Myers had four years. Tonight is his night in the making. You're not going to give her the letter. Why wouldn't I give her the letter? Preston, because you haven't had the chance to revise it for the four billion. All great time. writers revise. What? Dear Amanda, now that you're finally single, I can finally give you this sappy love letter that I never had the guts to give you during all four years of high school. Listen to this. What? This is Barry Manilow. Yeah, I know. Why do we have a radio station now that plays Barry Manilow? Just listen to the words, Denise. Amanda, Mandy, Amanda. That, that, Mandy's short for Amanda. That's it. That's my sign. President, I, I hate to interrupt this alternate universe you've wandered into here, but like, I heard that song's about his dog. It's not about a dog. It's about a woman named Amanda. Okay, so I have something similar. Four years to write the perfect letter. One night to prove why it's perfect. That's perfect. Oh, not like bad. It. My bad one, because I like to, I, I want a bad one okay. because that's what they have. She found an anonymous letter at the big party. Now she can't hardly wait to find out who wrote it. God damn it. <laughs> Here we go. Four years, one party, one night to remember. One ring to rule them all. <laughs> One ring to guide them. I, I just, having a tagline about the party is misleading in this movie. The tagline should revolve around... Nobody fucking cares about the party. Preston proving to Amanda. So that's why I said something with, like, the letter. I don't know. I like that. Rob, you got anything uh, crafty? There's hardly any waiting in this movie. Yeah, that's it. Is that the tagline? <laughs> There's no waiting. <laughs> no, wait no longer. <laughs> don't hardly wait to see this movie. Yeah. I can't boner wait. <laughs> How many times they say the word boner? I should have counted that. Yeah, the whipped cream guy. Carl. Hey, Preston, what's up, man? Boy. All right. Have you seen Amanda Beckett? Uh, yeah, I just saw her in there. 
Hey, 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 hey. Did you hear Mike Dexter broke up with her? Thinking about asking her out, boy. Time to get freaky. Yeah, he said boner. That guy's been that in a guy. lot of That stuff. guy's awesome. Yeah. Let's get freaky. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we improved. <laughs> well, I actually have a critical question. Okay. This is my first critical question. I'm going to drop right here on the pool scene podcast. What was in the fucking fridge that everybody was aghast about? Ooh. Was that a fucking head in that fridge? It's like the Pulp Fiction briefcase. It literally is, or it's the box in seven. She opens it up and says, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. It's the shit shoe. Is it? Is it literally yeah. like some, yes? It might be the, might poop be the shit that she's walking around. That's the around worst with. thing that happened to that house the whole night. Is somebody walked in with like a little bit of dog shit on her? She's plate. less. Yeah. She is she's going. less concerned about the curtain on fire than she is. Is that poop? Yeah. Is that poop? Is that poop? Someone have poop on their shoe? You know what? I didn't think it was the poop thing. I'm like, could this be something fucking murderous? Like, something nefarious? Pooped in a shoe. Yeah. Probably because there's one bathroom and no one's allowed upstairs, but there's nothing stopping them from going upstairs. Yeah. It is like the most orderly party, too. It like is. Everybody's like, okay, no rap. It's all Smash Mouth. Tonight. Yeah, oh all my Smash God. Mouth. We might play a 311 song, but or, it's going to be Smash Mouth. Or we're going Third Eye Blind Deep Tracks. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, uh, um, Eve 6 has two songs it in does. this movie that they play twice. Yeah, Inside Out. Yeah. Well, Jim kept thinking the one song was Romeo and Juliet by Dire Straits. Which almost sounds like it. It's the one at Which, the diner. But then there Romeo and Juliet Dire song. Yeah. from Dire Straits is in the movie eventually. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a song two times before that that sounds like it. You a think, love struck Romeo. You think Preston would have been happy? Had, you, he would have had like a completely different outlook of the night if like Coco Cabana came on the radio. <laughs> yeah, and not it's a Amanda. sign. Yeah, and Coco Coco Cabana. The first time I laid eyes on Amanda, I was at Margaritaville with my parents. <laughs> I almost sounded like Casey Kasem. I, I don't know she why. Sounded like uh, I looked um, in her eyes. She looked Bill at Murray me, and then Daddy Water Shack. Show. There was Amanda, and she said, "Gunga, gunga, gunga, galunga." All right, before we get the logic, I want to talk about the where they are now cards. So these appear at the end of the movie. They say, you know, oh, yeah. we've mentioned them a couple times. William, $40 million state, it's a supermodel. Mike, Mike Dexter got fired, got fired from wash. Reba's car wash and Warren. A very ambiguous one about how long the Kurt Vonnegut workshop was. If he was even there. He's not going to get to Boston the next day from Los Angeles because I looked that up. You know, that's filmed at Union Station in Los yeah. Angeles. There's no bullet trains. No. Like, to buy, a direct to buy. He could fly there in like three and a half hours. Yeah, like, so he goes, is he gone a week? Is he gone six weeks? Sorry, I can't go out with says, you, Jennifer uh, Love. Yeah, we bring that. Amanda wrote a letter to him for every day was gone. So five Two letters. That, yeah. <laughs> He's, she sent him three fucking letters. He's already back by the time they show up at the hotel. <laughs> but it's the fact that he waited four years and he's like, I can catch a later train. Fuck off. Don't go. And here's another thing. Like he apparently is really popular. Big <laughs> Everybody's time. like, oh yeah, Preston, I know him. Oh, he's great. It's yeah. Amanda. Yeah, Amanda Beckett. She asks the most unqualified people at the party. <laughs> like, <laughs> who's Preston? She asks oh, vaginal yeah. trench guy. Preston? I don't know. Well, his hair is kind. I don't know. Brown. No, it's not really brown. Oh, he's tall. Yeah. He's kind of, kind of tall, sort of tall. And he's like always wearing like t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> so he's sort of tall. Kind of. With hair. Yeah. And he wears t-shirts sometimes. Yeah. Yes. That's it. Yes. Well, I mean, he's Preston. It's Preston, you know? Preston? 
I like that guy. Presto! This yeah. guy has been in a coma since he was six months old. And then the sheep lady with yeah. the cutting up the, the rings. The yeah, Sarah Rue. So anyhow, the movie yeah. originally going to be R-rated. There was too much uh, high school drinking. They had to recut the entire movie and remove characters. So because of that, these title these cards, you know, they changed some, this, this text. So originally, Kenny and Denise, there's red. Denise dumped Kenny later that day. Denise went to NYU where she found a whole bunch of people just like her. Bored at it all, she dropped out and started shooting photo covers for Rolling Stone magazine. Huh? She currently directed the latest music video for Wu-Tang Clan. Denise. Yes. Yes. I also said Denise would have made a great character in Empire Records working at Empire. She would have been a just great employee of of Empire. She was also the only high school student that was going East Coast. Damn, woman, why you gotta be such a raging bitch? Oh, please listen to you. Look. There's a mirror right there. Why don't you take a look, okay? You're white. Exactly. For college. She was exactly. getting the hell out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. The original Kenny bit read, Kenny went to UCLA and found a bunch of people just like him. Unable to compete, he reinvented himself as an eco-conscious vegan nudist. He currently lives with a cult in Northern California. Oh, for fuck's sake. So they made those two right. mirror each other. Yeah. That's weird because that's... Not his personality. He was kind of like yeah. a star fucker. Like yeah, he was. Was. at the popular table. He yeah. he yeah. likes the the I guess the the Jinko mm-hmm. culture. Yeah, like he shot the DJs. Do you remember? That yeah, story? right. Yeah, right. he was a uh, got shirts at Gadzooks and he gets pants at DJs. <laughs> uh, other character bios read Williams friends Jeff Piccarelli and Murphy Pellin. So the X Files guys. They did not go to college. They created a comic book called Citizen X about a man with no identity, no no social security number. Nothing. Who uses his anonymity to infiltrate numerous conspiracies involving government aliens and the abduction and subsequent probing of them and other innocent people by extraterrestrials. They are currently dating no one. So theirs didn't really change. It's just... This was the first time I ever watched past the credit scene. I didn't yeah. know they were abducted by aliens. I wish that wasn't in there. I, I saw that for the first time. Why? Today. It's like, why did they do it? It's like, is this going to be a sequel? Because I have a feeling just like me, when the credits roll, people walked out of the fucking theater. Yeah. You don't expect a stinger in it. Another character quote reads, Amanda's cousin, Ron, is currently in prison. Cousin Ron. Eric Palladino. Take a seat over here. So earlier I mentioned the crying drunk girl who was probably the biggest casualty in this movie. The crying drunk girl, Mary Hampson, Mary Hampson, Mary Hampson attended college for nearly two years, then dropped out to become a tour guide at the White House, Hmm. a job she still holds. Her favorite times at work is leading groups of of school children in an enthusiastic rendition of Pledge of Allegiance. I don't really catch the reference because no, we didn't see her. Wait a minute. Something just struck me. Is this a fucking time travel movie? Sort of. Yeah, yeah just like it, the end of our city. It blues. tells us what happens the rest of their lives, essentially. Yeah. It's but the it's end present of day. House. It's yeah. At yeah. least like that thing you do has these, but it took place in the past. Yeah. The final parts of where the characters are now were changed. The original Kenny and Denise part, we already talked about this. Crying girl uh, would not have lasted the Trump administration. So the girl whose party it is also was featured, and it reads, the girl whose party it was, Molly Stinson, dropped out of college her freshman year to work as an intern for her role model, Martha Stewart. Three months later, she was hospitalized for a nervous breakdown. She currently works as a librarian, which leads me to my first logic point. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. The girl whose party it is, is she forced to host this party? That makes no sense to me. She's pissed this whole party about what everyone's doing. 
You didn't have to have a fucking party. It's the Bogey Lowenstein thing. She's not popular, but she has a house, and then somehow her I house got nominated. I don't see why not. She seemed pretty cool, just a little high-strung. She's yeah, very high-strung. I mean, there's Quailer. probably... The third hottest girl there. There's probably only yeah. a couple of things that are, like, over the line, but it's like, this is what happens when you get high school kids together, at least at this time in the 90s. Like we said, that aggressive, you know, culture period yeah. in time, and if you don't want these things to happen... Then like, don't. Yeah, like don't yeah. host the party just because you're the rich girl with the big house. Let somebody else host the party. Yeah, I agree. Do what we did. Go to Perkins. Yeah, we used to hang out at uh, Park. We used to hang out at Stevens Park, and it was always a good time. A ton of people would be there, and there's enough space to spread out if you didn't like other people. But there'd be like hundreds of people there until this one dumbass threw Molotov cocktails at the concession stand what? and burned the siding off the whole back of the building. Jeez. And then the cops started. Yeah. The cop wake. We were underage drinking in the park and the cops didn't care. They knew it would come down, kind of be like, all right, guys, be safe. But you're not causing an issue. No, but we weren't causing it because there, there's no houses or anything. We weren't bothering anybody. But then when that kid did that, it was like, if you were even down there past dark, you were fucking. Well, like when there. Rob and I mm. were in high school, our senior year, actually before our senior or junior year, the seniors that were graduating did their senior prank where they chopped deer heads and put them in through the school. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. They did all that oh. shit. And I can remember, and they found the senior wills. I remember that was the big thing. Where senior wills? Oh. They found wills where previous year seniors wrote like, I want to do this to this teacher. I want to harm this oh, person. No. Oh, wow. They discovered all this shit. And they basically told, I remember that telling our class, don't fucking, no pranks. If we find out you're doing a prank, you might get expelled from school. Oh. Because there were certain pranks, fun pranks in the past where we had this horse-shaped U in the back of our school. And at one point, one of the senior classes dumped an enormous amount of trash out and it was a giant mound. Yeah. One time, hired a crane and put a car on top of the school. Fun shit wow, like that. Wow. But the seniors this time did all these threats and put deer heads and dead squirrels in the school and they kind of shut us down when it came to our prank because I remember the biggest thing I thought was funny that kind of got floated around was our AD at the time was so anal about that football field. Like he didn't want oh. anybody touching it. You remember this. Yeah. He loved that football field and our football teams are fucking garbage. I think the best year we had was our senior year. We won four games. <laughs> it was the same kids every year. Very political. It's like every other high school. Everybody thought it would be funny if you burned fuck you yeah. into the football field as a big yep. but you couldn't couldn't get away with any prank so i'm pretty sure our class didn't do one prank at all i uh i have i think i mentioned on the podcast before the niles they did the jock run the seniors would do the jock run so What's the jock run so basically a bunch of kids who participated would show up to the school basically guys would wear jock strap only okay and girls would wear some version of brawn panties whatever they would show up at school they basically do a lap around the school and leave my freshman year got a little out of hand okay and the uh, the first floor and most of the floors had like the slanted windows they didn't open but just kind of tilted yeah. halfway yeah, yeah, I think like every old high school, so, every school. Built I don't the know 60s. if the kids yep. just felt like they weren't getting enough attention or what, but kids started like pretty, pretty much putting their balls and their asses <laughs> on those windows, like while kids were in class. So the next year, my sophomore year, somebody had tipped off the school that the jock run was happening. Some asshole parent was like, my kids gathering for the jock run, like watch out. So the school to try and be preemptive took all the kids and put them in assembly so that all the classrooms were empty when the jock run was going to happen. So kids show up, do jock run, they circle school, there's no one in any of the classrooms. They're like, shit. So they do the dumbest thing they can do. They enter the school. So they're oh. now all 
indecent exposure. They're yeah. in a school. You're fucked. Yeah, pretty much naked. So committed a felony. Yeah. So there was a whole bunch of like fallout from that. So then my junior year, a bunch. This is awful. A bunch of kids. So there was like a creek next to Niles, like a, a creek, like river, whatever it is that ran across the street, like Jason, not yeah. school property. So a bunch of kids basically just had a cookout in their bathing suits. And the whole time kids just yelled out the window, show your tits. Like every classroom was just like, show your tits, pull Woodstock, out your tits the whole time, the yeah. whole time. I was like, this is awful. So senior year, as far as I know, no jock run happened, but like, it's just insane to think about like nothing like that would happen now. The most offensive thing that I can think of doing in high school, we used to have pep rallies. Of course, our AD was just at the end of the day, everybody meet in the gym for our football yeah. pep rally. And oh, all yeah. of us are like, we want to fucking I get never that. went yeah. to pep rally. Bullshit. Attendance or anything. And so they would do this like senior, seniors, what's your cry? V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. And they'd go class by class. And I can remember, I think it was our last pep rally we had, our final one in our AD would be like, senior, seniors, what's your cry? And we'd be like, F-U-C-K-Y-O-U. And they got pissed. Oh, my God. But that was, for our class, at least to my recollection, it was the most craziest thing we did. We were kind of tame. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there was th- uh, stuff that happened like uh, during band camp or something. Where was that at? Yeah, Edinburgh that's right. You were in band. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, that was my introduction to everybody because <laughs> I was I went to band camp before like the school you know, season yeah. started. Yeah. I want to say, didn't... There was like something that seniors did with freshmen at the time. I can't do it now. <laughs> oh, no, 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 not at all. Not at all. And I look back at it now and I'm just like, yeah. do you know, uh, Mike Burry? No. Michael Burry. So, uh, senior, his senior year, like one of the first days of school, he put a gallon of milk in a locker. Ooh. And then like, it. I see where this is going. And then like towards one of the last days of school, he just like, glug, 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 glug down the hallway. <laughs> oh God. They had to like, clo- good. they had to like close down the second floor because oh, of the God. smell. Here comes I mean, the was, sawdust. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> Hey, if a kid vomits, we're going to put sawdust on it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got off track a little bit. That's fun though. I question Preston and Denise's relationship. Yes. So totally fine. Having platonic friends, nothing weird about it. Not at all. But I have basically two questions. The thing that makes it weird for me is the next morning after the party, you know, Denise tells Preston, Hey, you know, I had sex with Kenny Fisher. Get out. Are you kidding me? Kenny Fisher and Preston's like wow weird or whatever and she's like did you with Amanda and he's like no and she's like I'm so sorry Preston and he says something like you know it would have been cool to make out with her though would you make out with me and this is where I brought up to you that maybe there's something more yes a lot of guys in platonic you know between male and female friends yes you get to that age, and of course, I've documented on this podcast, I did not lose my virginity till I was 24, so I was very late. However, you get to that 16 or 17, and it hasn't happened, and you're friends, and you go, oh, yeah. hey, should we do this? Yeah, and, so so yeah. when Denise is having sex with Kenny, which that whole, okay, there's a logic thing right there. They're pissing around, literally and figuratively, in the bathroom Not together. on each other. Not on each other. That's the, the R-rated sports. version. They're, uh, they're pissing around in the bathroom, and they're telling their childhood stories, they're singing new kids, and Kenny kisses Denise. Denise. You would think that like right then like stuff starts happening, but instead it's still like a process to where they've done it before. Yeah. They're asked questions. Have you ever done this before? Yeah. yeah. No. What have you? Yeah. Once it was this guy. I don't, I don't, I don't wanna know. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Denise. Kenny says, 
Yeah, and then he's like, no. But then he says, well, there was this guy. It had to have been Preston, right? I would have to assume they I'm, were each other's first. Yeah, I think they might have been friends with benefits at yeah. one time. Yeah. I was yeah. getting that vibe, and then, like, you know, now they're just, like, cool friends. Yes, yeah. They, they did it that one time, and that was the only sexual thing, and they just both got it done and over with. Yeah, so now... Preston can bone Amanda without fear. Also, a quick observation for me when Trip McNeely, all right, shows up at the party and sits on a bench with Mike Dexter. He's wearing his fraternity shirt and he was a dick. Delta, Iota, Kappa. So I think that's allegory. No, Uh, I think because he was a dick, they made him a dick. Yep. So there you go. I have pre-Google, so I'm not that mad at the characters for it, but a whole subsect of the movie is is that Amanda song by Barry Manilow. The low. And he wants to call Barry Manilow and find out what that Mandy song is. You know, what is Mandy about? Is it about a dog? I heard it's about a dog. Well, actually, the song Mandy by Barry Manilow is actually a cover of a song named Brandy, but Looking Glass's Brandy was on the charts at the time. So Um, Barry Manilow didn't want two songs like at the time named Brandy, so he changed it to Mandy. Mandy. So that song's not about a dog. It may be, but if it's about a dog, it's about a dog named Brandy, not Mandy. It's a sign. Yeah, so it's not a sign because it's about... That'd have been funny if it wasn't Barry Manilow. They just used Looking Glass and it was Brandy, you're a fine girl. Yeah, such a fine girl. And you just changed Amanda's name to Brandy. And then something we brought up before, uh, Mike taking the fall for William. Which which, is like, why? I just think it's, he was drunk. Maybe he, deep down, he has this insecurity and he's like, if William goes down for this, it's going to ruin his future. I'm a deadbeat asshole. I'll take the fall for this. And I'm the popular guy, so I'll get through it. But it's it. like a subsection of which of part of the movie I would like to see, like Mike Dexter coming to grips of who he really is. It would have been a fascinating thing. But for a teen movie, 98, teens oh, yeah. are not going to want to care about a backstory about Mike Dexter. They're, they're not going to touch that complicated stuff, no. especially in the 90s. But I don't know. I, you're, you're onto something there where drunk and you know that guard comes down yep. and he gets he, he who knows maybe he's a little bit vulnerable right there mm-hmm. yeah. and you know when he sobers up the guard goes right back up you know he has and maybe that's why he drinks so much and got yeah. you know kicked out of university because he has unaddressed parts <laughs> well, uh, well we know his alcohol tolerance is for shit because he had one beer and he got fucking well he blasted by the time he was yeah. playing piano with william he was drinking that uh oh, scotch right. out of the uh somebody should not have that kind of visceral reaction shut up <laughs> Even in the late yes. 90s, if somebody called you a fag, like yeah. it, it, it's kick he, everyone's ass in this well, room. He got very personal about yes. it. So but, that's telling me. But the thing that didn't make any sense about that was during that scene where Amanda rejects him. Yeah. Why would somebody just randomly yell that? Like, why? Why? Because it's asshole teenagers it's in just the 90s. Like, oh, it's, what the fuck? So, it, I mean, it, it's it, it's really hard to put 2021 values on a 1998 movie. But I mean, if you rewrote that then. scene, somebody would yell, asshole! Yeah. Not that. Well, right. yeah. yeah, especially for a PG-13 movie. Uh, like, there is one F-bomb. Yeah, yeah the there's, yeah. yeah. Does anybody have any other logic? Because I was going to... I do not. Okay, so yeah. I... And to talk about the Mike Dexter thing. So I've never read or heard it out, like spoken out loud, but my, my opinions that this movie probably was important to a lot of like preteens and maybe even adults for sort of vilifying that jock culture. Cause in too many movies, they sell, especially at the time varsity blues and oh, stuff, yeah. 
they celebrate like fucking jocks and like masculinity and they we, celebrate we nailed it. these many women it was so, the dark side yeah, yeah. so especially not, assholes. at yeah. this time like the you know with frat culture and everything they're focusing the story on preston who's very sensitive you know very. he's very sensitive he's wise beyond his years and kenny who's trying to find himself and denise fleming who's a tampon when you were writing denise fleming is a tampon on my locker freshman year i did not write denise fleming is a tampon <laughs> just just kidding that's counterintuitive to my point point. and we forget like william's the smartest kid at school he's seen as a total rock star so this movie's sort of like you can be different you can be an outcast it's yeah. redemption and it's redemption but you know if i were to write this movie like rewrite it remake it i want more of that mike i, I want to peel story. back the layers on mike because we just are like He's a jock, therefore he's a fucking asshole. We have that assumption. But he's not redeemed at all. No, but no. there's a reason that he's the way he is, that he wants his friends to dump their girlfriends. And that, you know his dad yeah. is the drunk high school football yes. guy. Oh, yes. oh yeah. That he's able to dump his girlfriend because she was an accessory, because he bullies William. And if not for some of that redemption, I wouldn't care. I would just say, okay, he's an evil, bad character. But because we get that little bit of redemption for Mike, like, I want to know what's his home life? What, like his dad, how, you know, what is it? Probably pretty shitty where like trophies and, you know, state championships yes. were, are worth more. And you know, his than... friends are probably the sons of the friends of his dad. Oh, yes. oh this whole, this whole school system, it's rich kids. Like, oh, they're yeah. making a point where, you know, there's the one girl where, it's, you know, She's like, I'm not rich. I mean, it's called Huntington Hills. Huntington I mean, Hills. Come on. It's it's, it's got to be you know oh. just outside Los Angeles. Please, it's, please. It's, but the the diner is the Pulp Fiction diner. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. When I was in LA in 2018, I drove right past it. Oh yeah. It's it's a, it's a real place. You can go there. It's been in a lot of movies. I oh, remember seeing a ton of movies. Do you want to do you want to go to the diner, Honey Bunny? No. Too many fucking high school kids. Yeah. yeah. It's right across the street from uh, Mark Mothersbaugh's studio. Hell yeah. The reason why I found that is because I wanted to go that studio. Go into that studio to break in and say hi to Mark Mother's, awesome. <laughs> Mark Mother's Ball. But uh, they don't look highly on that. Uh, no. Yeah. So I just took pictures of it outside like yeah. a creep. I think that, uh, yeah, Mike Dexter probably is uh, operating on this like boys don't cry upbringing, no showing weakness. You yeah. know, you got to be tough sort That's of thing. Very toxic. Maybe we do very. a swim meet series where we we do Mike Dexter and yeah. give him his redemption. Yeah, mm. maybe maybe Mike Dexter in the remix going to Mike the, Dexter uh, is not an he asshole. He wouldn't be going to the Kurt Vonnegut because wonder what but, his rock bottom is. It wasn't oh. working at a car wash. It was what getting else fired yeah. from a car wash. And he becomes a, an assistant crack horse. Yeah. <laughs> so the other piece of legacy is like Jim mentioned, Jennifer Love Hewitt, who I wouldn't think is like hungry for the dollars, but she hit a home she run. She wants to make a, a like a sequel. What would that sequel entail? Is is her, are her and Preston still together? Twenty plus years later, no, have kids? No way! No, no way! Yeah, because their relationship's built on nothing. Exactly. Like a note. They don't like even she, know each other. She literally broke up. I mean, and like, and her yeah. her monologue. Yeah, you know, she's completely right. And this is one thing. When I saw this when I was seventeen, I'm like, oh wow, she's being rough on yeah. Preston. I watch it now, I'm like, oh well, no, she's, she's just me. You know, it's Me Too movement in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. has some like she's completely uh, right i hate to say the word daddy issues or something but she's got some some home life issues where she mike broke up with her that morning and she's essentially in a relationship within 24 hours yeah it like 
you got to learn to love yourself and be independent and stuff. Like yeah. less I mean, than 24 hours after I mean, being dumped. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of crazy. That and going to Preston's parents' house. I wonder what that conversation I was like. Oh, you know, Preston's so dad, like, you know, opens the door. He's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. You're son. looking for my son? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll it, drive you. It is literally the scene, Rob. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Class Act. It's yeah. where Duncan's father, Meshach Taylor, realizes yes. when Karen Parsons comes oh, or where she catches yeah. them having sex. Oh, that's a good boy. He walks and sits on the bed. Can I get you something to drink? Yeah. That would be Preston's dad. Yeah. Are you comfortable? Like the, Can I get you a pillow? The, the Playboy bunny coming through the window in Animal House. Thanks, God. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but definitely with a sequel, I would hope that you see Mike hit his hard bottom and William's like, you know what? I'm going to help you out. You come work for me. Well, it's, it's funny. I'm well, there's all no computers. Stop all <laughs> I think the it's a movie that's uh, probably 10 years old at this point, but like 21 jump street. So yeah. Oh, yeah. it's funny because in 21 jump street, they kind of parody that whole kids are more eco-conscious and friendly. Yeah. And like, there's not as much the, like, you know, the, the different but groups not, of people yeah, that like the stereotypes are yes. heavy in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, right. You're really so, just, you're this person, you're this archetype. It's Everything very, you say and do is that. It's very simple script writing. Oh, yeah. It's very simple. So if you were to make this movie now, I think you kind of flip some of that on its head. You know, Mike Dexter is the quarterback who is expected to do everything. You know, boys don't cry. But then he's the one that wants to attend the writing seminar. Yeah. And, you know, Preston, I don't know. Or would they do it the cheap way and they just, they have kids and we follow their fucking kids. And what, all right, here, here's perfect. Can't hardly wait. The next generation. What exactly. If, what if... Preston, what if Amanda found the letter? Okay. Loved it. Which to, somehow that letter is a logic went, issue. Went, how it went to talk to him at the train station. Okay. But then said, I really appreciated your letter. I'd like to get to know you more, but I got to work on me. I've been in a relationship for four years. That's the most she responsible thing. That, but then immediately backtracks it. She's like, well, I guess I can be single. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 She's basically like, I'm yours, yeah, but much. I guess I can be single if I have to, but it'd be better if she was like, listen, Bad timing. I've been in a relationship for all of high school. I got to find out who I am and my own worth. But let's take time to get to know each other. And I'll write you letters while you're away. First, I'll write you three letters. Yeah. She might have family problems. I mean, they're Eskimos. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, they live up in Alaska. They're Inuits. Inuits. Yeah, Eskimos. Sorry. Yeah. To the Inuit community that watches, of, that th- listens to this podcast. Bunch of throat singers. I can't bring up uh, JLH without bringing up that she had an album called Let's Go Bang. She had a song in this movie. Yeah. Oh, God. And I remember seeing that. I was like, wait a minute. Jennifer Love Hewitt has a song called Let's Go Bang. To find out, it didn't mean what you thought it meant. There was supposed to be a music video and an accompanying dance called The Bang. Released as like, let's go bang. And... Oh. But the video never got made as far as I know. So I was like, wait a minute. The movie's about people banging. She's like, just very forward. Yeah. yeah. Being awkward yeah. about it. Let's go bang. All right. Let's bang into some plugs. Hey, this is Shane Herman with the Youngstown Comedy Syndicate. You're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Once again, Pool Sceners, thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast. Also, at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at Pool Scene Podcast at gmail.com. Any movie ideas. We have some amazing movies coming up. If there's a movie you want us to cover, let us know. You're on the journey with us, and now back to Kevin. All right, uh, Anthony Kiedis, you, uh, we're along with the journey for uh, 
Woodstock 99 and for Point Break. So why don't you go ahead and get us into our final segment? That would be a waste of time. Thank you. Uh, so Rob's in town from Indianapolis. Not as a record pool scene podcast, although we... we Thoroughly thank you for coming. This has been fun and also, a long time in the making. Rob, I would like to present you with something. Got Ooh. you a little gift. Hey. As our very first pool scener. We I thought, like gifts. We thought this would be apropos to give you a copy of Can Hardly Wait on VHS. Hey. And then we signed it. <laughs> hey. There oh, we go. Oh, wow. Cool. You know, actually, uh, <laughs> before I picked this up on Amazon Prime, I went because I own hundreds of VHS tapes. And I was like, I have to own this. And I don't. Perfect. Yeah, so this was perfect. There awesome. we go. Yeah. So, uh. Uh, yeah, we we appreciate it. And you're in town for a high school reunion. It's a 20-year? Yes. Unofficially 20. 20. I, I turned 40 yeah. two weeks ago. Happy belated birthday, oh, buddy. I'll you. be 40 next month. Yeah, and it's... um. Fuck. You feel the same. <laughs> oh, you do. <laughs> so we're, I don't know, an hour out or something, but Jim's still trying to decide whether he's going to attend I mean, that reunion or not. Like Even though I drove like 350 miles, <laughs> like, go, go to this two-hour-long thing. If it sucks, I'll, I'll just leave. Yeah. Uh, That's what my dad I'll, literally said. If it's fun, have a glass of wine or a beer and then just book. Like the the one thing that you know, you know, Erica, my wife, has family out here. It's really the only reason why we ever come out to like the Warren Niles Youngstown area anymore. And uh, the one thing that this little chunk of the Rust Belt has that nowhere else that I've ever been has is really, really good comfort food. Yeah, and so they do. I'll be. Yeah, stocking up on my, uh, uh, what was that, Sunrise Pizza, which yep. there is, there has been arguments but about who has the best pizza around here. It's Sunrise. So, fuck <laughs> partial, you. Fuck you. If it's, I'm partial to Pizza Works because I worked there. Pizza Works isn't bad. It's not bad. Chicken Bacon Ranch. Uh, uh, you know, they got the square, the rectangle pizza. You don't, it, that does not exist. But the Sunrise, Briar Hill. Oh, yum, yum. Come get you some. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really, it's, it's the best. It's good. Okay, so speaking of the, uh, the Youngstown area, for those unfamiliar outside of our area, we have a uh, a former single A Cleveland Indian affiliate minor league baseball team called Mahoney Valley Scrappers, which now, I used to work for. Woo woo. Yeah, now they're uh, a member of the draft league, which is I don't even know. But the games are still the same. They have buck nights and promotions and such. But my my kids like going. There's a lot of shit to look at, mascots mm-hmm. and that are sort they, of thing. Are they still single A? No, they're draft league now. Is that like one down? Yeah, or, that's oh, like... They literally like, got rid of the minor leagues underneath double A. Yeah. Oh, this okay. Is, Indianapolis has the Indianapolis Indians. They're triple A. Yeah. yeah. So they're these, pretty good. These kids at draft league can basically get picked up by any team. They go to this league, they prove that they belong, and then some of the scrappers, like three or four of them, I think... I don't even know if they're having enough players to field a roster because some of them are getting picked up now. Yeah. yeah. And added to rosters. Anyhow, so we were at a Scrappers game recently. We went for the uh, mascot mania promotion. They brought in, like, the Clippers mascot and all these Here's other Here's the ones. thing. And Some of those mascots you saw, the weird ones. The bread? They yeah, had the bre- loaf of bread mascot. We kept those. Like, I was the audio engineer for the Scrappers. We keep those in just a closet. Yeah. Just random shit. So there was a Schwabel's loaf of bread. It was fucking terrifying. There was a bunch of huh. the weird ones. There was a, two Hubbard Eagles there. Yep. Bunch of them. So anyhow, I'm sitting there watching the game with my kids, and somebody taps me on the, the shoulder. It's a uh, a Scrappers employee. And they were like, uh, hey, there's a, a, a man up there. He's in his 80s. He uh, He's a former bus driver, and he wants your kids to, to have some helmets if, if they want them. And I was like, kids, you want helmets? And they are like, yeah, which my oldest daughter, Juniper, she's, I'm surprised she said yes. We'll say that. So she was like, yeah. So the ladies, okay, caveat is he wants to meet them. Uh-huh. And I'm like, uh-huh. 
Um, Red flag. And she's like, he's right up there in the box. And I'm like, uh-huh. <sighs> All right. So we walk up these stairs. How much can I get for this? He just yeah. he just hands the kids the helmets. And uh, he starts talking to me. And I'm just making small talk like, oh, I'm driving a bus. Huh? You ever eat any kids' lunches? You know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, so... He's like, you uh, Browns or Steelers? And I go, Browns. And he goes, yeah. I got I got something for you. What the fuck? Is, and is I'm this like, an indecent proposal? And I'm like, hey, let's, let's see what he's got. So dude walks somewhere, walks back with an envelope. I'm like, this guy's going to give me tickets. Oh, he's going to give me fucking Browns tickets. I'm like, this is fucking <laughs> awesome because he gave my kids helmets. Jim, uh, here is, I'm going to hand this to you. Here is what he handed me. Go ahead and describe this. Okay. <laughs> my God. So he hands you a picture of a 1986 blazer painted brown, orange, and white. And it says dogs on the side. And there's a picture of him, Rick. I believe that's his name. Dressed in Brown's gear. And it says dog pound. So this guy gave me such warrant shit. An 80 some year old man gave me a photo of himself to keep. That is staying in the studio. Oh God. (laughs) He's got one of those uh, visors with like the fake hair on top of it. Yeah. So the one thing I will say. What the hell did you say after that? Like, I was like, thanks. thanks. I was like, thank fucking tickets. But no, but I I will say. Suck your dick now. the (laughs) The funny story is that he. He's in assisted living now. Okay. And you're only allowed to have one vehicle. He has a new car, a couple years old, that he got rid of so that he could keep this. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, so he has the 86 Blazer at the assisted living facility. <laughs> he got rid of his new car. What, what if he gave you that picture and he's like, oh, by the way, here's another rumble. It's the keys to that oh, 86 Blazer. Awesome. I love it. Sweet. It says uh, dogs. It just says dogs on the side. <laughs> wow. So a guy gives me an envelope. He gives me a photo of himself. Is that something that's, you plan on doing when you're in your 80s? That's the craziest like, shit I've ever hey, seen. Hey, I got something for you. It's a picture of, <laughs> it's a picture <laughs> of me. Yeah. That's such warrant shit. Uh, like, you don't see that happen anywhere else. You don't. No. Like, I, when I when I talk to people and they ask, oh, where are you from? I'm like, Northeast Ohio, in between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. And, you know, when I try to explain where I live, I'm like, okay, Rust Belt. And you'll drive down any neighborhood. You will see Brown's house, Brown's house, Brown's house, Steeler's house, Brown's house, Brown's house. And uh, that's just how it's yeah, out here. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Also, uh, real quickly, won't give anything away because Kevin has not yet seen it. Watch Suicide Squad the other night, the new oh, yeah. Suicide Squad movie fantastic it is dumb it's stupid it's gory it's perfect is it uh like anything like um oh guardians of the galaxy since it's kind of like by the same people it kind of is but it's more over the top it has your comedy one-liners but the gore i mean i figured james gunn came from trauma yeah so like i figured you you do get a lloyd kaufman cameo okay real quick like dc doesn't shy away from r no not at all the thing i i mostly plan on finishing up with this week is we we did Willy Wonka a couple weeks ago. Yes, we, we did. Covered, I think it's been a couple weeks. Covered Willy Wonka. Cool. And Charlie Bucket gets the factory at the end. And I was very critical of that because I'm like, you just gave the fucking factory to a poor kid. He's got a lot of responsibility. He doesn't know what to do. He's going to drive this business into the ground with this fucking Wonka buckets. And uh, so there was a post today. I saw a meme that's uh, Violet Beauregard should have won Wonka's chocolate factory. Now, here is the evidence. Yeah. Did you see it? No, but she's a candy super fan. Yes, exactly. So she's the most knowledgeable about candy. She's committed to it, knows her stuff. When Wonka holds up a yellow piece across the room, she recognizes it immediately. She was able to switch to candy bars for the sake of the contest. So we know she has uh, personal discipline, goal-oriented. 
Uh, two major projects play directly into her strong suits. The three-course meal that Wonka failed to make safe and the never-ending gobstopper. She's the most fit to run a business. Competitive, determined, hardworking, willing to take risks. Her father is a small-town car salesman and politician. She might have inherited some of that. Very successful, too. Yes. Yeah. She's the most sympathetic to the Oompa Loompas. Because everybody else is like, what the fuck are these guys? And she critiques Veruca when Veruca demands to buy an Oompa Loompa. Can it, you nit? Yes. So, more importantly, Wonka's been testing the three-course meal gum that always goes wrong on Oompa Loompas while he just stands and watches. Violet's ready to put herself on the front line. She wants to test it herself. Her personal flaw is the most fitting for the company in the moralizing Oompa Loompa song. They just say gum is pretty cool, but it's not socially acceptable to chew all day. The thing is, we already know that she can stop if she wants to because she did that. Remember, she had the the world record going until she stopped to find a golden ticket, so she switched to chocolate. Her misstep in the factory is reasonable. Wonka shows everyone a candy he's very proud of, and Violet's like, sick, that's gum, my special interest. Wonka then pulls out a wrong, it's amazing gum. So the moments before she takes gum, Wonka has misled her just to belittle her because he's a fucking psychopath. Yeah, yeah. he hands it to her and he's like, don't eat it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't do that. She's not like Charlie, who's like, sure, Grandpa, let's stay behind while the tour leaves and secretly drink this thing that's explicitly... You know, made to fill you with gas. So it goes goes on and on. But, you know, that's probably true. If they can truly, like, juice Violet and and get her back to size. Those kids are dead. Yeah, that's what I said. Jim doesn't agree with me. Or did you? Did you think he's... I think they're dead. They think signed kids are dead. I think all those kids died. I think that's their their final straw. Wonka wanted those kids dead. It yeah. was selective. I think Won- Wonka wanted to die himself. That's why yes. he like blasted through a building at sixty miles. <laughs> yeah, Wonka, Wonka was like a premeditated spree killer because he hung out with the Oompa Loompas and planned all of this yeah. and what the tour was going to be and which kids he would kill at each stop. And he sent out. You know, Slugworth out there to recruit these kids. Uh, that's Nazi Slugworth. assistant. Yeah. 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 So it's like Wilkerson. So basically, Wonka premeditated spree killer. Oh yeah, yeah. pretty much. So I think he, he definitely pointed those tickets in the right direction. Like he's like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this kid's gonna find it. Make sure that yeah. bucket kid gets some money in that storm grate. I wonder if there was any collusion with that like candy store owner. Oh and, fuck that like, guy! We talked and, about uh, him. That guy's a Wonka. Piece of shit. He made none of those kids pay for anything, but Charlie Bucket had to pay his two pence. Yeah. He also yeah. hit, a shitty he also hit the one kid with the counter. Yeah, he so. fucking slugged. Oh, go- yeah. Fuck him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's positive then. Yeah. Jimmy, got anything else you want to mention? Not at all. I'm still in re- uh, reunion debate. We're about half hour out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I need to make my way to Warren to yeah. drop off my shirt and then Alto. Hartford. Yeah, that's right. The only Ooh. thing I know in Hartford is like there's an apple orchard. Yeah, we have the apple orchard with the big trees. Yeah, it's Are a little you... up beyond the apple orchard. If okay, you're from the I other way. totally forgot how to drive there. It's Thank down God. a south. It's down a side street, and then there's the fucking winery. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, check it out, Rob. You enjoy yourself at the reunion. Thank you, Jim. We'll see, man. We'll have to tune in again next week to find out. I can't get enough of you, baby. Whether or not Jim attended the reunion. Let's yeah. see. Over under, we're going to hear the class song. Free Fallen from uh, Tom Petty. Wait, first Free thoughts. Fallen? Yeah. I picked. Here's the thing. I did not pick that song. I picked Robbie Williams' Millennium, by the way. That was my uh, pick. Yeah. Oh, man. I forgot. I can't remember. That's the only two selections I remember. Our, oh. Ours was Metallica. I which don't. memory remains, but only because our class president died, who was a big Metallica fan. I was hoping you were going to say something offload. Oh, wait, that is <laughs> oh, offload. Yeah. Oh, shit. 
uh, our class song was Give me fuel, give me fire, give, give me, me hot apple pie Ooh, yeah Our, uh, uh, much later um, Our class song was Saint Anger <laughs> Oh god <laughs> <laughs> I oh, hope Jesus there's Christ. a kid somewhere I hope there's a school class somewhere that are, <laughs> the worst I don't know what year that was <laughs> But I heard somebody's class song is Saint Anger <laughs> I'm gonna play us out to Saint Anger Yes, please <laughs> I remember, uh, I remember there was a vote for like prom colors, like our yeah. senior year, and I picked tan and taupe because I just saw uh, there's something about Mary. Yeah, that was Ben Stiller's suit. Uh, tan and taupe. <laughs>